put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth, and they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen... Dan and Aldo. All of his drama, all of this shit out. We know what's up. I said on this show a year ago, he wasn't going anywhere. Mm hmm. Remember when people were saying that maybe he would skip the season? I was like, "There's no fuck that. It's not going to happen." <laughs> and, and I knew he wasn't going to leave. So bring it on, man. We need to find a way to beat this asshole. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about Russell Wilson, and we're going to talk about uh, free agent wide receivers. I've been doing a little bit of homework on that. Johnny Santucci will be joining us in about ten or fifteen minutes. But that I mean, asshole. That asshole, that, that <laughs> asshole is going to join us in 10 or 15 minutes. And we're going to talk about Bill Cosby because it's a show that we've, uh, John and Dan and I have watched uh, weeks ago now. And uh, we were so moved by it that we wanted to talk about it on the show. And then we'll talk about whatever the fuck you people. How about winning time, too? Winning time, the Los Angeles Lakers. Dude, I dug winning time. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I don't know if Tooch and Tooch nod yes or no. You have not seen it. Okay, so actually we can maybe start right there uh, and then uh, bookend stuff with talking TV on the other end. So you saw winning time, the new HBO show that yeah. details the rise of the Los Angeles Lakers. It begins, actually, it begins with Magic being told he has AIDS, but it yeah. then quickly flashbacks to the time where he's being drafted and all the politics that was going on. And you really liked it, huh? Yeah, a couple of things I didn't know. Being, again, from West Virginia, Jerry West is is a legend here. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that he was so, like, caustic and, like, you know, fuck this and fuck that with everybody, which, again, okay, whatever. But I don't know 
again, we should ask Jeff Perlman if he ever comes back on again. Was he really that consumed by losing those finals to Boston? Because he did win. Like he won in 73, right? When they, didn't they beat the Knicks in 73? He did, yes. Yeah, so he won. He, I think he got two, two titles. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Um, I think you're right. He and Wilt did eventually get some. So, uh, But maybe he was still that bitter over losing those championships to Boston. But, God, I didn't know he was just such an asshole to everybody and so unhappy. And I knew Jack Kent Cook from his days of owning Washington, mm -hmm. the Redskins. Mm -hmm. And I knew that he was probably just a typical rich, you know, just smug fuck. <laughs> That's what he but was. I didn't know he was just the way he's portrayed on the show makes him make me hate him even more. And yeah. I just, I've never been a fan of that John C. Riley guy. Cause I don't like Will Ferrell's movies, but I thought he was so good as, as Dr. Boss. And I loved that. Like, Dr. Boss should just sit there when everyone's like, we don't want magic. And he's like, uh, okay, I'll let you vent, but fuck you. I'm drafting magic or Irvin, you know, uh, it's just, he was so cool and chill when people were just losing their minds around him, whether it was Jerry Wester or Jack Kent cook. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I thought the kid that played magic was, was good. And, yeah. and I'll let you talk too here, but uh, no, no, please go. I wonder, I wonder real quick if the thing with Norm Nixon on the court really happened. Yeah, I'd love to know if that really happened. I'll have to go back to Jeff Perlman's book, which is the series that's based on, uh, to see if that really happened. Because that's everything in there is accurate, but a lot of stuff in the TV series we've been told has been changed. It's, it starts off with one of those graphics at the beginning, you know, some of the characters and blah, 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 and stuff for dramatic purposes. So there is a scene where Norm Nixon uh, uh, is at a party, magic uh, uh, shows up. And Norm Nixon, who is not happy about the rumors that uh, Magic Johnson, another point guard, is going to be drafted. Norm Nixon was the point guard at the time for the Lakers. He ain't happy about it. And so he wants to show Magic uh, and embarrass Magic that he should go back to another year of college at Michigan, Michigan State, and busses his balls on the court at this lavish party as a, a basketball court with a white court floor and just uh, – dazzles magic and magic just looked stupid and it actually fell when um, norm scored his final points and magic is on the court just embarrassed and the next day he he tells uh jerry bus yeah don't draft me because i'm going back to college uh but and i won't say anything else because i i would then reveal the end of episode one but i'm with dan i liked it although there were a few things that i didn't like about it i don't like the shooting style it's got this kind of Kodachrome Super 8 look to it so that it can match the 70s or, or the 80s. Uh, and I, I didn't like that uh, that that shooting style. You know, you're never going to find anybody to, to look exactly like Magic Johnson, but there's one thing about that kid's performance is that he doesn't capture at all is that brilliant smile that Magic Johnson has. Magic Johnson has a smile that is as big as the Hollywood sign on uh, 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 up on the hills there, and, and this kid doesn't have it. But aside from that, his performance is solid. So I'm just nitpicking here. But you're right, uh, Dan. There's a lot of interesting things in it, and the whole Jerry Westing, what a fucking sourpuss motherfucking asshole he is, man. Yeah, I, man. I didn't know and that about do, him. Do you think Kareem, because I, again, maybe I'm just being naive, I thought Kareem was the kind of guy that was, uh, you know, he's the intellectual, he's the cerebral guy. Right. I didn't even think Kareem said fuck. Exactly. Like, I was shocked by that. 
Yeah, but Kareem is saying fuck off to everybody on the show. I mean, maybe he really did talk that way, and it doesn't change my opinion because, fuck, I talk like that, but I just thought Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, this guy is, he's like, he's not, his play is trash-talking you, not not his verbiage. Right, exactly. I mean, uh, very religious man, very soft-spoken, uh, but there are stories that he kept to himself. And in the one scene where um, uh, uh, that he, I think that's the scene where he's introduced, he's got headsets on, somebody comes in. He's talk. listening to jazz or something. Yeah. And he just doesn't want, you know, fuck you. I don't want to talk to you and stuff. Uh, and so maybe as episodes go on, we'll, we'll get more of, of the in-depth figure that Jabbar really is. But that was kind of a strange way to introduce him. He was just kind of off to himself, didn't want to be bothered by anybody. And and, I, and I he do, told that kid from Airplane to go fuck himself. <laughs> that is a great scene in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is a great scene. And there is, uh, I remember when uh, the Lakers won that first championship, there being stories in Sports Illustrated about how Magic helped to turn around Kareem because Kareem was very soft-spoken, wasn't used to any players hugging him and stuff. And, of course, Magic is a big hugger, and uh, it really helped to change his temperament. So maybe, you know, maybe I'd just forgotten that he was a, kind of a sourpuss because he had so much – he faced so much discrimination, not only being a, 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 a black man in New York growing up in Harlem, but also – being so fucking tall and uh, being used by college scouts and, and so forth and so on. So uh, maybe he was a, a, a bit on the uh, edgy side during that period of his life. Yeah. Two quick comments on it. I know we need to move on to the bears mm -hmm. and football and stuff. The, the first game of that 79, 80 season, I've heard magic talk about this many times that I forget who the opponent was, but it came down to, okay, we've got one possession you know, it, it, this is it. You know, we either win, we lose, we're down one or whatever it is. And Kareem hits the game-winning shot mm -hmm. and, like, magically jumps on his back and shit, you know. And, mm -hmm. of course, Kareem is like, you know, get off of me. He's like, you know, there's 81 more of these, right? <laughs> Ma Magic said that he told Kareem, if you win 81 more times just like this, I'm jumping on your back 81 more times. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, love it. I, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, and the one thing, just to illustrate the point of how big a dick mm -hmm. the Jack Kent Cook was, is when he's talking about Kareem to Dr. Buss, he's still calling him Luau Sender. Mm, yes. And, you know, that's there's a lot of smug white people that would do that shit in the 60s to Ali mm -hmm. that would call him Clay and yep. shit, like, just to just to be condescending. Yep. And, just and, to be a smug fuck, just for no reason. Yeah, and with no appreciation at all for the religion. They thought it was, you know... Ridiculous. Oh, yeah, they any... thought he was a pussy to, to avoid the war. Man, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's a good show. Episode one was good. I think it's it's a 10-episode run uh, every Sunday night, so we'll be looking forward to that, and uh, hopefully Tooch will uh, catch up with us, and uh, we can talk about it with him. Uh, lots of football news today, and, of course, the big news, and I loved it. I loved it. Russell Wilson is traded to the Denver Broncos and the whole Aaron Rodgers signs is now like the second or third story on every sports show. It was like, fuck you, Aaron. You know, you wanted to fuck with us all last season. Make us do this, make us do that. Pay attention to your whining and so forth. Well, guess what? Aaron, Russell Wilson just fucking buried your lead story. You signing for $50 million. So we'll talk about 
uh, Rogers later, but we got a special guest with us, uh, Dan. So why don't you go ahead and introduce him? Well, real quick, before I bring Mr. Barner in, sure. do you think that the the trade news with Russell Wilson was dependent on Rodgers yes. saying that he was staying in Green Bay? I think so. I think that the there were reports that um, Rodgers was talking to two or three teams to explore trade options. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if those teams told uh, Aaron Rodgers, listen, dude, we don't want your fucking drama. We don't want to pay you $50 million. We don't want you to come into the GM's office and tell us what to do. Get the fuck out of here. Go back to Green Bay. That's probably what happened, but I don't know. I'm just speculating. Yeah, go back to losing playoff games. (laughs) All right, so here, and again, I'm jealous for not making the playoffs as a Bears fan. So, yeah, okay. (laughs) Call me out on my bullshit, but I'm also (laughs) calling him out for constantly losing, regardless of how good his teammates are. So Sylvester is uh, Sylvester Barner. Mm -hmm. Again, I've grown up with him. We were on the same Little League team at one point. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a little bit older than me, but uh, he was on the show once before. He went to the Steeler game with me in uh, November, mm-hmm. and he witnessed uh, us getting cheated uh, at uh, Heinz Field. But the reason I want him to come on is because he's a lifelong Denver fan. Mm-hmm. And so the soon as I found out the news today, I was at the track uh, exercising, and when my workout was done, I, I, as soon as I saw it, I sent it to him, and he already knew. I think his son had told him. I wanted his opinion because when I read it, it's like, Ooh, two first, two seconds, a fifth, Drew Locke. Come on, man. This guy's 34, right? That's a little steep. But he was like, fuck that. This is a good trade. So I would love for him to jump in and tell us why. Well, I, he's he's now on camera. We're seeing Sylvester live and in color. And I got to tell you, Sylvester is jerking off every time we mention him. <laughs> more and that's how happy he is. <laughs> get, get your hand up out of there. <laughs> I can't help myself right now. <laughs> Congratulations, man! That's a big, big time move. You know, you make big time moves if you want to do big time things, and that's what the Broncos did today. They did. Um, you can't imagine how happy I was last time I was on. I talked about how, you know, if we had got a hold of Aaron Rodgers, even though all the baggage that came along with him, I would be happy just because we've been quarterbackless for so long. Mm. Um. Look at the Rams. Rams gave up shit. They probably can't have another pick until 2025, something like that. I don't know. They just won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So what we gave away today for somebody that's solid, comes with no baggage, and he's going to end every interview with go Broncos. <laughs> that's, that's all we need right now. How true is that? So you, you, now when you say no baggage, you do know the stories that the defense, when they went to the Super Bowl, they were not real happy with Russell Wilson. They thought he was smug. They thought that he got too much credit for the success when, the, when it was the defense that probably they wouldn't have gone to the Super Bowl without that great defense. So there were those stories about Russell Wilson. You're not worried about any of that, right? No, not at all. For the simple fact that even yeah, – I can agree that defensively – the Seahawks were top tier. That's pretty much what got them on that run. Mm-hmm. But all in the same account, they see the Seahawks wasn't turning the ball over. They uh, they stayed on the field. With defenses, you're going to have to have time to rest if you're going to stay dominant. Mm-hmm. So if the offense puts up 24 points 
and you hold a team to 20, that's all you need. Mm -hmm. So with the defense that we have right now, which we lost one starter, I didn't think there was too much to give up. The only thing in that whole trade that upset me was uh, the tight end. We, we lost the tight end. He was he was going to be pretty good. Noah Fant, an excellent tight end. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. But uh, Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. See him. So how bad is Drew Locke? Ah. Like, is he, is he as bad as one of Dan's farts? Because I know you smell those when hanging out with him. Yeah, it's <laughs> he's not that bad. <laughs> I, <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> but I, I would compare him to a, a young Brett Favre with no he has all the bad of Brett Favre he can throw plenty of interceptions but he doesn't have the touchdown ability I, I, I just don't see it okay yeah because I really haven't seen or studied Drew Locke much but you so when you say Brett Favre is he that gunslinger type absolutely he'll, he'll sling it he'll try to stick it in there mm -hmm. and unfortunately when he tries to stick it in there, it's it's more times we going back the other way. So it's a late read. Put it like that. When he throws it out there, it's always a late read. I've I've watched him over the years. I've I've tried to have confidence in him. When Teddy Bridgewater came last year, I already knew what the outcome was going to be. Mm -hmm. So with uh, with Drew, I mean, if he gets in the right system, like any other quarterback, then. He might do better, but he's still he's still average. He's 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 not going to be on not even the second tier of quarterbacks in this league. See, that's what from the outside looking in. That's what again. I don't watch the Bronco games every week or anything, so I'm not going to pretend to tell you I'm some Denver expert. From but just in my Bears bunker, I look at Denver and I think they seem to just fail at, at developing young quarterbacks. And over the years, and I know this guy failed when he got traded, but at the time it looked like Osweiler had some potential. Then they drafted that Paxton Lynch guy. I don't even know if he started a game. And then you got Locke, and it just feels like they're reluctant to stay with somebody. So, but and now that's not an issue if you got Wilson healthy. I get it. But that's my criticism of the organization. Uh, even in between, you know, before they got Peyton Manning, it was the same thing. Uh, you know, Tebow and. It just feels like since Elway retired, you know, they had Greasy for a couple of years, but they just can't. And then, then, then Jake, and then, then they give up on Cutler as well. It just feels like they're reluctant to to be to to build the team around a young quarterback. Mm -hmm. Very valid. Very valid. You maybe you maybe we wouldn't know if he was any good because they don't really give him the shot, like you said. Teddy came in, and look, I, I have nothing but respect for Bridgewater. He came back from a, a horrible situation, getting hurt on a practice field in Minnesota, almost fucking died. Uh, so, I'll, you know, I root for Teddy. But at the same time, I feel like Denver's done an injustice to some of these young quarterbacks, which it doesn't matter now. You got your guy. But maybe one of these guys could have been good if you had just, you know, what we want in Chicago, we want the everything built around fields. And I think Denver could have had something if they had done that with one of their, their younger quarterbacks in the last couple of years. I, I'm surprised, Sylvester, that, you know, John Elway 
hasn't had better success at developing young quarterbacks. I mean, you know, he's not down there on the field, but you would think a guy with his pedigree that he would figure out a way to lead the efforts to develop young quarterbacks. Do you have any insight on that? <laughs> I'm, a lot of the times I'm just as puzzled because the only, the only guy that I've, that I've seen since he's left that had any promise to me was Oswaller. Um, I never was a big fan of Tebow, even though Tebow put up W's on the board. Um, he and I got into an argument for like three years because of Tebow. <laughs> he, he put wins, you know, he, he, he went to the playoffs. I remember that game. And he was like, see, I told you that Tebow, we got the best part of that Cutler trade. And I was like, man, Tim Tebow's fucking garbage. And you know it. And he wouldn't admit it. He was like, oh, no, Tim Tebow. So, yeah, he finally admitted after Tebow was gone. Like, yeah, you're right. He's garbage. I was just fucking with you. We got breaking news. Uh, according to Art by Nike and uh, Bleacher Report says that uh, the Seahawks have released linebacker Bobby Wagner. Come on over to the Chicago Bulls. I bear us in play for a $2 million a year deal. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> that is big news, though. And uh, we're going we're gonna to dive into some of these free agent transactions, but let's stay on the topic of uh, Denver. So, Sylvester, as you turn on the radio and you're listening to um, all your fellow Bronco fans, what's the temperature like? Is everybody, like, super excited, or has there been some uh, arguments against the trade? No negativity whatsoever. Um, it's, it's no way possible. I mean, you two out of everybody that I know has to has to be with me on this as far as the bleeding heart is concerned. I mean, you had Cutler and since he's since he's been since he retired. Mm -hmm. What really have you had to look forward to? I mean, you got Fields now. Trubisky, and this is another thing. You look at all those quarterbacks, and you went with Trubisky, and you're going to try to stay with him. But how long are you trying to stay with him before you get to the point? It's like we have to do something different. Mm -hmm. And I understand the offense that he was in and what he was running wasn't quite up to what he normally does. But every quarterback in the NFL, if you're going to win, you have to have to throw the ball. You have to throw the ball accurately. So that's what we're getting, and that's what we haven't had. Uh, we've we've had plenty of good arms, but we haven't had the brain to go with it. I'll give you that. Early in Russell's career, you know, it were a lot of handoffs to beast mode and playing, you know, close to the vest and that read option where Russell would just take off running because back then you couldn't really stick the quarterback. They still classified him as a quarterback, but they changed the rule because of Kaepernick and Wilson just – you know, running amok with that read option. But in, in subsequent years, like the last five, six years, he really has shown a propensity to throw for 300 yards whenever, you know, just give the guy time. He's He can do it. You know, it's just I still think that if they would run the ball in Super Bowl 49 with, with Lynch instead of throwing that, that fucking slant that the Seahawks would have won the Super Bowl there, though. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I don't know, man. But yeah, I think Wilson, if he stays healthy, if he can stay healthy, like you said, though, it's a huge upgrade. Uh, I do think that the organization has failed to to develop the younger people. Uh, but having said that, you know, I I think Kansas City's kind of on the downslide now. You know, 
they've not only lost the Super Bowl, they've lost a playoff game at home, and they lost to they should have lost to Buffalo. It took a miracle to beat Buffalo. They they've met their Buster Douglas. They're not invincible anymore. The Chargers are always pumped up by the media. Oh, this fucking Herbert kid. And maybe he is as good as they say, but it feels like they're always around 500. And, you know, the Raiders, like Derek Carr, seems like a mediocre kind of guy. I mean, they made the playoffs this year. My point is, I wouldn't be surprised if Russell stays healthy that suddenly they're in the running for the AFC West title. Oh, I think I, I I think that's what that trade is all about. It's for Super Bowls. It's not for you know. It's not to entice season ticket holders to stick around. This this is a play by John Elway and the brass at the Denver Broncos to win titles. They're they're going to follow the L.A. Rams just like Sylvester said when he said when he first came on. They're going to follow the L.A. Rams formula for winning, and a lot of other teams are probably going to start doing the same thing. And I think that you know. Russell Wilson last season did he did not have a good year, but if you watch closely the tape and you watch closely his performance, the guy still has it. There's no doubt about it. He uh-huh. was he was not happy with the situation there. He didn't have the offensive line fight attempts to try to improve the offensive line. He didn't have it, and he's also got to do a better job of getting rid of the ball sometimes. But nonetheless, the the evidence is all in. Russell Wilson can get you back to the Super Bowl. The thing now is with the Broncos is with some of these missing parts, they're going to have to find some real value options. They're going to have to find a tight end that can replace Noah Fant. They're going to have to find, uh, you know, maybe somebody on defense that's going to help. Uh, But, man, they've got the tools, right, Sylvester? you got to be excited. I'm very excited, man. Uh, looking at Bronco news today, you know, it's even possibility we get Von Miller back, you know, send him off, get a ring, bring him on back. So he sent out a tweet not- saying, basically, <laughs> I want to come back. <laughs> yeah, that we were talking nice. earlier about that. It, uh, back in the early 90s, Ricky Henderson got traded from Oakland to Toronto, won the ring with the Jays, and then re signed with the A's in the offseason. So it's happened before. It has happened. Um, yeah, I'm all with it. Uh, jersey, man. You're going to finally get a Russell Wilson jersey? I, we have to see what this year do before I, I, I go all in. But, you know, if we make it to the playoffs, I'll go ahead and buy me one. It's, it's no pressure. I always send him a link. I'm like, look, man, it's on sale. That 1994 John Elway throwback, 75th anniversary. This shit's on sale for $80. You need to buy this. He doesn't buy it. You should buy it for him, Dan. I'm taking care of you. Foster in the chat room says Broncos can win 12 games if they split with the division foes. Look at who they play. 11 to 13 wins. What do you think about that, Sylvester? What Foster says there? Well, me and Dan went over the uh, went over the schedule today. And uh, I can see that. And I'm looking at more than a split. Uh, I believe we could beat the Raiders twice. I, I believe that. Um, right now, projecting just just projecting. I'm 13, 13 out of seventeen. Damn. Yeah, that's 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 big numbers. Oh, that's that's what I feel that Russell Wilson trade just brought in. Mm. So, with the weapons that we have, the defense is still solid. We can fit a piece or two. I mean, we still. We can bring somebody in to rush the passer. We still got guys on the back end. We're we're in good shape. 
this wild card is, as you and I were speaking, you know, four or five hours ago, is that nobody really knows anything about this coach. Yeah. I mean, with Rodgers running the show in Green Bay, like the way Mahomes is for Eric Bieniemy, that's why I wouldn't want Eric Bieniemy. That's the way Matt Nagy proved to just be a fucking joke because he wasn't doing anything. Andy Reid was calling the offense. It's like how how much or how responsible was this Hackett guy for actually generating any success in Green Bay, and how will he be as a head coach? That's that's the wild card. You're right. That's absolutely right. And I have I have no clue. I just you just want to go on prowess. I mean, I I didn't have any any speculation on Vic when he came in, but you see how that went. So I'm you just got to hope for the best and just just ride with it. I would like to see us get Kyle Fuller back the way you all may get Von Miller back and have him start on the opposite side till we get another corner that's got, you know, some just what's the what's some swag, man. Our corners really, really lack something that intangible, in my opinion. And Fuller was so good for us. It's shocking to me how bad he was with Fangio in Denver, even to the point where he's getting benched by the end of the season. And he's still fairly young. I hope the Bears could bring him back cheap, you know. $1.5 million, $2 million deal, one year, prove it, you know, maybe two years. Mm-hmm. Hell, he was doing great with us. He was uh, not doing necessarily the peanut punch, but he was creating a lot of turnovers with just solid textbook tackling. He hits oh. your ass low, man. His best season tackling was that last season with the Bears, and that's why one of the reasons I was surprised that he was let go because I, I thought he was ascending – not descending, but yeah, he didn't play well at Denver. By the way, uh, Sylvester, what do you got to say to PZ? He says the Broncos are way overrated. And 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 Sylvester, uh, this is an uncensored show, so if you want to tell him, go fuck yourself, go right ahead. <laughs> uh, no. I mean, you can we, – we're not rated at all, if you really look at the record in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. What we got now – you, you got to put up a shut up. And right now I know we're going to put up. Mm-hmm. It's one of those type deals. It's just like Stafford for the Rams, Brady for the Bucks. We're going to come in. He's going to show he still got it. He has something to prove. So I would be surprised if we didn't make it to the AFC championship game. Is Gordon That's- still there as the back? Say what? Is Gordon still the back? Melvin Mel- Gordon, Melvin Gordon uh, running back. Yes. Yeah, him and that kid Williams from uh, North Carolina. Oh yeah, that's a great. That's deal. why the that's why I say he doesn't have to throw the ball thirty times a game. We can run, we can run through you, we can run around you, we can run over you, and boom, 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 we launching downfield. Mm-hmm. How much better can you get? There you go. Like I said earlier, you got to keep somebody. If it's not Teddy, somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick, just in the bullpen. In case Wilson has, you know, like a a hammy or a shin or something that causes him to miss two or three weeks and not like season threatening, but that's the only concern you got. You can't just be going to a seventh round pick uh, in case Russell goes down for a few weeks. I'm I'm down to keep Teddy. Uh, Teddy is like I said, he he's he's a good guy. He's a good quarterback, but I just don't think he's a franchise guy. 
That's for sure. He is. He a, may he may have been had he not gotten injured in Minnesota. He was doing the job. I I think my displeasure of Teddy, if I were a Viking fan at the time, was that I didn't think he had a good deep ball, but he was winning there before he got hurt. So I don't want to shit on Bridgewater at all. <laughs> well, uh, Sylvester, I wanted to ask you before we move on here. Any thoughts about the Chicago Bears? Are you a Justin Fields fan? I think you. I think I remember you saying you were. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, like I told Dan when we all when we all first got Fields, I think he's going to be the guy. He just needs somebody in there to guide him in the right way, take him to, because he showed. I believe he's he's a lot better athletically than Trubisky ever was. I believe he can throw the ball better than Trubisky. I believe he reacts way better than Trubisky. Now Trubisky had a year in Buffalo under a better regime. I don't know, but. Right now, I believe Fields is going to be be that guy. And so get him away from the bald fuck, man, and Nagy. Yeah, really. I think that that is huge, and I think he's going to be. Uh, if he stays healthy, I think his second year is going to be just immensely better than that first year under the Matt Nagy. Just terrible coaching. Yeah, I, I believe in Fields too. Yeah, like. Uh... Dan said that he thinks the Kansas City Chiefs are, are going to go downhill. The only reason I would agree, might agree with him, is because Matt Nagy is not coaching over there. <laughs> yeah, he's Mahomes' quarterback coach? Yes. If I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, you do know that I won a Super Bowl, right? You <laughs> yes. do know that I went to a second Super Bowl. You're coaching me. I should coach you. <laughs> That's right. Hey, uh, Patrick is probably telling Nagy, hey, uh, make sure my uh, girlfriend doesn't say anything stupid on social media. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, all that's, that's the main trouble right there. <laughs> His brother's always getting involved in controversy somehow, too. Yeah, I think, you know, I never really followed that whole thing. And then I've been trying to get little tidbits of it. But yeah, apparently his brother is a, is a douchebag or something. Yeah, his brothers are more of an idiot than his girlfriend is. Oh, oh man. The, the, the girl, the part of that is a lot of people, for right or wrong, see her as being the typical white girl that jumps on a black guy when he's got money. But to be fair to her, they've been together since before he was famous. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people view them immediately through the, the lens of racism. And uh, races, you know, like bi biracial couples and just this bullshit. But even growing, that's the one good thing I got with Sylvester, man. We and we grew up in a fucking state that's it's so far right right now. But there was never any of that bullshit when we grew up. There was never, I mean, never ever was there any of this white versus black shit until we got to our high school when there was all those fucking rednecks there. But we grew up in an area where it was like 50 50 and everybody got the fuck along, man. Hey, uh, Jamal Lewis, not that Jamal Lewis, uh, our buddy Jamal Lewis says, the bald fuck. I love Dan's nicknames for these coaches. The boy, the Green Bay coach. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what, Aldo? We were, uh, we were talking about the Bears earlier, Sylvester and I, too. And I didn't know this. I didn't contemplate it. But after looking at our opponents, man, Lovey comes in to Soldier Field this year. So I think... I think he coached Tampa against us twice, but Lovey, Houston plays the Bears in Chicago. Well, that's the game you should be coming uh, to Chicago for. Uh, Man, I, I want to root for Lovey, though. I do. Like I said, I I want him to succeed there and turn that shitty franchise around and get more credit. Like I was telling Sylvester earlier, he's the answer to a trivia question now. You know, the first black coach to advance to a Super Bowl 
But he's so much more than just that, man. His players respected him and loved him. And mm-hmm. he's a leader of men. So I would like to see him rebound and, and turn that team around. I'm definitely going to be rooting for them. Not uh, against forward. the Bears. Not against the Bears. Okay. I wouldn't put <laughs> my mom against the Bears. So, you know, who was it? Butkus? Somebody famously said they'd like run over their grandmother if it meant that they won. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of feel the same way in that, that regard. <laughs> hey, Sylvester, thanks so much for popping in and you're welcome here anytime. Uh, okay. If you do, you have any advice for us Chicago Bears fans? Because uh, you know you've you've been a long suffering Bronco fan. You got any advice for people like long suffering? He's won like three Super Bowls. I know, but I'm I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him. He's so sad, and finally we made him laugh a little bit. No, he's got three titles, man. No bullshit. He's got three. He, if he never wins another again, he can be. He's 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 chill, man. He's good. Yeah, he's not. He's I don't not know. We've been yeah, we've been suffering together for the last couple of years, so. Sure. All I can say right now is all they can do is go up. You got rid of the ball fuck, so all they can do is go up. <laughs> the ball fuck, I need to copyright that shit. Exactly. Uh, you're the man, Sylvester. Let's keep in touch, man. Keep You can be our Denver Broncos correspondent, all right? All righty, fellas. Thank you for letting, having me on tonight. Anytime, brother. Take care you're now. The man. All right. Later, fellas. All right, man. All right, we re- replace one legend with another. Uh, Johnny Santucci comes on in now. And Tucci, uh, what do you think about this whole Russell Wilson to Denver situation? There was news today. <laughs> there was. <laughs> oh, man, you, you sent me a private chat. Can I chat with Se- Sylvester? And I, I, That's and all right. I'm sorry. Next time. I was going to ask him about the Mountaineers uh, college basketball team this year. Dude, I'll give you his number if you want to text him. <laughs> he's a great dude, man. You'll like him. Oh, it's obvious he's a great dude. They have uh, uh, had a down season this year under Coach Bob Huggins, you know, who usually has uh, uh, a good defensive squad. You know, he had spent many years as Cincinnati Bearcats head coach. And, I like Huggins a lot. Being uh, from here, I don't yeah. watch games or shit. And West Virginia's football coaches have been horrible. Like this guy Neil Brown shouldn't even be coaching in high. He's worse than Nagy, but I do like Bob Huggins for some reason. And I, it's like yeah. every time they lose, Huggins ages a couple of years. <laughs> he did have a rough year, but uh, you know, it, it's it's been tough for uh, you know when when they since they joined the Big Ten. Uh, or there and then the, I'm sorry, the, the Big, 12, Big Twelve. I mean, the, sorry, Mahomes the Big Twelve. Was, yep. Big 12 I'm probably you his number now, man. If you want to touch for yeah, real, he'll, uh, they're, they're the, the Big 12 probably Big 12 and SEC, probably the two toughest uh conferences for uh college basketball. Well, um, let's let's move over and talk about this uh, this fucking asshole. Uh, do you have a nickname for Aaron Rodgers, Dan? <laughs> the smug, fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Um, the, um, the contract it's, yeah, let, let me introduce this if you don't mind. No, not at yeah. all. I want to give credit to our boy, uh, Mr. Jovanovic, Sanjin Jovanovic. He mm-hmm. asked me this earlier and I don't know the answer. So that's why I was like, let's wait till we get on air. I'll ask Aldo. He'll know. And Mr. Jovanovic's point was if green Bay is over the cap, 25 million bucks, mm-hmm. and now they're giving out a $50 million a year hit to Rodgers, mm-hmm. and presumably I added, well, another $20 million at least to keep Devontae Adams 
Mm-hmm. So that's seventy million for two players, and they were already twenty-five million over. How the fuck are they allowed to do this? Right. Well, there is a period of time where you can be over the cap while you're building your squad for the upcoming season. There, I, I don't know what the date is for 2022, but you got to get below that cap then. And so what is going to happen with the Green Bay Packers and most other teams that are flir- flirting with going over the cap or w- way over the cap now is that they will start to shed salary. You're going to see some of these players for the Green Bay Packers who are free agents this year. And, you know, it could be that they'll drop Adrian Amos, for instance. That's been a popular topic of discussion for, for Packers. Well, bring his whore ass over back to the Bears. <laughs> <Yeah>, please. <laughs> At a deal, too, because you've been fucking with us on social media, you ass. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so they're going to start shedding some uh, salary. It's almost like they're molding the, 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 the salary cap. So some of the, you know, another couple of other players, those two outside linebackers, uh, Zadarius uh, Smith, and I'm forgetting the name of the other guy. They're Preston probably Smith. Preston Smith. They're probably going to be gone. Uh, Robert Tunyon, uh, Marquise Valdez, uh, Scantling. Those are all guys who are, uh, you know, probably not going to return with the Green Bay Packers. So they're, they're, yeah. they're going to sacrifice some name players in order to accommodate uh, Aaron Rodgers' greedy ass and, uh, and paying Devonte Adams that exorbitant uh, cap fee, which is what eighteen, nineteen million dollars. That's that's a lot of money. And so, also, what they could possibly do to get under the cap, and I, I'm sure they'll be working on this, is they're going to try to sign Devonte Adams to a multi-year contract, which now would reduce the 2022 cap. So, if you sign him to a three-year contract, you can defer some money for for the second year, third year of that, and then he would his contract would be aligned with Aaron Rodgers, and then he. Can become a free agent when Rogers' contract is done with. That might be appealing to both Adams and the Packers. Uh, so there, there are ways for them to do that. And and I by no means am and offering up here a scientific explanation because nobody can. I mean, even capologists will will be vague about certain things because it, there's so many fucking things. These guys who manage caps for NFL teams can do to move shit around that makes, you know, makes a lot of things possible. So when we had Mike McCarthy, not the Dallas Cowboys coach, but the prominent players uh, agent on, he said, listen, if you want a player, there are ways to make it happen. I've sat in on negotiations with the Cowboys, uh, Jerry Jones and, uh, and other people, and they, you can make it happen. It might cost you another player, but you can, if you really want this player, you can make it happen. And that's what the Packers have done. Yeah. I mean, here I am sweating, thinking like, man, we're going to have to, I mean, yeah, I've been critical of Mac. We all know that. But in theory, like Mack at defensive end and Quinn at defensive end, I, I mean, in a 4-3 mm-hmm. and not linebackers, I'm like, man, this shit could be good, you know, if he stays healthy. So I'm sweating, thinking we're going to lose Mack. And his cap hit is like half of Rodgers, mm-hmm. like literally half. Right. If they can afford to keep Rodgers at $50 million, then, man, Khalil at like 27 or whatever, 26. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should be fine. Right. Well, and then Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune wrote an article uh, exploring the option of trading Khalil Mack and said, you know, maybe they can work out, the Bears could work out a Von Miller type trade uh, that Denver did with, uh, with um, uh, 
Denver the Rams. Tra- uh, Denver traded Von Miller to the Rams. A trade where uh, the team, uh, uh, the Broncos, picked up some of Von Miller's salary, and then they acquired a second rounder and a third rounder for Miller. The Bears could potentially do that if they find a team like the Chargers, for instance. The Chargers have like 10 draft picks this year. They've loaded with draft picks, and they need some pass rushing help. They may want Khalil Mack. They may want to give up a second rounder and a third rounder. But then what are you doing to the Bears? You're not you're you're going to give up that that hopefully that immediate pass rush that we're going to get game one with Quinn and Mac at the ends. And that is going to be so helpful for whoever is going to be playing in the secondary, because if you get a pass rush on a quarterback, that quarterback is probably going to throw inaccurately and probably going to throw it into the hands of a bears defensive back. So having that pass rush is so important and to give it up for a second rounder and a third rounder, arguably, it's not a good move. What do you guys think? I would like to keep him if he's going to be healthy. I, I'd i like to think that this has got to be what motivates him. Coming back from an injury. Oh, we, but you're a little bit older now, Khalil. And, but going back to a 4-3 and to shut people like me up by saying, like, look, I'm bringing it, you know, and I'm back in an offense or a defensive scheme, rather, that suits my talents more. Like, I, I, why couldn't this guy be comeback player of the year? I totally agree. Let's remember the great start he got off to in 2021. He had five sacks by the time he was injured and done for the season, and that was after six games. And so there is no reason at all as playing as a four three defensive end and 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 going after the quarterback. You know, the vast majority of the plays, you're going to see some plays still where he drops back into coverage. That's part of, you know, the gamesmanship of being unpredictable that defensive corners have to face nowadays. But for the most part, he's going to get after the quarterback. Robert Quinn's going to get after the quarterback. And that's what you want out of those guys, because that's what God made them for. Can I point out, too, that it was a fucking just a criminal act for Robert Quinn not to be named comeback player of the year? Oh, who did win that? Oh, the fuck. It was, I'm sure it was Patrick Mahomes or Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, you know, just somebody that the NFL worships for no reason. This dude had like two sacks and went through all of his personal issues and, you know, and comes back with 18 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when everyone had wrote him off, every, even all of us, and he comes back and, and has this phenomenal, I don't know how he's not comeback player of the year. He just doesn't have a big enough name, man. The NFL is a popularity contest. It's like, trying to become king and queen at your prom. What about Joe Burrow? You think he was he, he was a better candidate for comeback player of the year? Because he's the guy that won. And thank you, Aaron, the Bearded Bears fan. See, for that. they love Joe Burrow's a guy that they love, especially since he got to the Super Bowl now. Mm-hmm. And do I think he deserved comeback player of the year over Quinn? No, I don't, because Burrow was having a pretty good season before he got hurt his rookie year. Yeah. And and Quinn had a disastrous year in 2020. That's that's a good explanation for that, Dan, uh, is the fact that, you know, he came back from what? Well, you can say he came back from injury, but that's not really what the award was meant for. I think the award was meant for a guy had a bad season, and now he's come back and had a good season. And Robert Quinn certainly f- uh, fits that description much better. Uh, Absolutely. Hair Bear says but he- it's all about the story, and I totally agree with Hair Bear. It's about the story and, and the narrative the NFL wants out there. They want to build stars, and they know that with Joe Burrow, that's a good yeah. way to build the stars, to give him that award. You were going to yeah. say that. Yeah. about that for years. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Tooch, what was that? You and I have talked about that for years, the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the best stories. Yep. It's what they want to put out front. Yep. I was going to say, if, you know, in theory, if you were asking me, I hope that they keep 52. I really do. But if they're, if you come at me next week and you're like, hey, man, they traded Mac, I, I think we'll be okay. Like, the, you know, as we've been saying with our GM, we need picks. We need to build through the draft. And I, Robert Quinn did most of his damage without Mac on the field. So if Robert Quinn and then you put 99 on the other side potentially as a defensive end, and maybe you can still bring some of that that ferocity. So I hope that they find a way to keep Mac, but I think the Bears could be okay if they do trade him. Yeah, you know, it's Ryan Pohl said at the combine, you know, that's the hand we were dealt when he was asked, do you wish you had more draft picks? Yeah, that's the hand we were dealt. But I think he wasn't just answering that question. He is answering, he is looking at the entire mess that was left behind by Ryan Pace. Very little cap space when you look at the fact that there are 25 guys, 25 or 26 guys who were significant players for the Bears last season who are free agents this year. You know, so uh, so really you don't have a lot of cap space. I mean, you, you don't even have enough to field the football team of guys who are signed right now. Um, and so you, you and I forgot my train of thought, but it, it's a fucking mess. It's a fucking mess. And, and the hill that the Bears have to climb to get out of this mess, I think it's going to take a year or two and it's going to take some lucky breaks. And I bet you that the roster we see in 2023 – is going to be very different than the roster we start the season with in 2022. It's Let good. me make you feel better. Please. Let me point out that the Bears' schedule this year, again, it's you never know what a team's going to do when the season starts. Mm -hmm. But in, in theory, this year's schedule, significantly lighter than last year. I mean, significantly lighter. And at least we're not saddled with signing a 39-year-old quarterback to $50 million a year for four years and I don't know for sure. I, I, probably the whole damn thing's guaranteed. And a quarterback who can't win the fucking big game. I know he won the one 12, 13 years ago. It's an aberration, though. Mm -hmm. We got a quarterback in our division, Mr. Regular Season. At least that's not us. We're not saddled with that. We got a kid where the fucking the, the, the sky's the limit. I think we can win a Super Bowl number one. I, 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 you make a good argument there, and Herbert does too. He, he wrote, uh, it's very possible that the bold, bald fuck <laughs> and his staff misevaluated, misevaluated what they had on the team. We don't even know, but might be, it might be there. And, and Herbert's totally right. You know, these guys can come in. This new coaching staff can come in, and the players, guys like, um, uh, although Bilal Nichols is a free agent, but Bilal Nichols could potentially be re-signed and then fit that three tech that is so important to Eberflus's defense because that has to be the disruptor and so forth. And so is that the Tommy Harris kind of role? Exactly. That's the Tommy Harris role. He lines up on the left shoulder of the guard and the right shoulder of the tackle, and he uses that gap to get in there and disrupt. And so Bilal Nichols right now, based on my limited knowledge of availability of free agents and so forth, he might be the best candidate for that role. And so let's re-sign him and hopefully Eberflus and his staff can uh, take uh, a Blau Nichols from being a borderline starter type to a all pro or pro bowl caliber type player. I, I hope that 
that is true. Coaching is so valuable in, in the National Football League. More than any other sport, you really need coaches who know what they do in terms of evaluating the talent they have and then finding roles for them that they can do at a high level and do it consistently week after week. How many times did we see the Chicago Bears run out of the tunnel under Matt Nagy and just start terribly, and it looked like fucking Matt, Matt Nagy didn't give him a rah-rah speech. He instead told him, you know, I hate all you guys. Go out there and embarrass me. <laughs> and, you know, it's really fucked up how uh, how poorly the Bears came out of the tunnel in so many games, and I'm hoping that that's not going to be an issue here. I don't care about the acronyms and the hits philosophy and the, the cliches that Eberflus is used. Use. You know, a lot of players buy into that shit, and so hopefully the Bears will, and they'll come out and play a good 60 minutes. They'll remember to tackle. They'll remember to go after loose balls. They'll remember to do all the fucking fundamentals it takes to win football games. I'll give you a cliche now, since you mentioned the word cliche. When I think at the bald fuck, it's like it, the first year he gets there, you know, the, I think anybody wants to try to fit in with the new coaching staff to assure that they're going to have a spot, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. So they're giving him respect and he's got them doing the booms and, you know, the club dub and they're winning, you know, of course you could argue that's because of Vic and everything, but by the second year, I think it was clear to everybody to use the cliche. It was like the wizard of Oz. They pulled back that fucking curtain and saw who the, who Oz was. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, man, this guy's a joke. And I think everybody knew that from 19 on. And that's the reason why we couldn't, that we're always flat because mm -hmm. they knew they're being leaded by a complete and utter fraud. Yep. You're right. And, um, and I, I'm sure as, as time goes out, we're going to, time goes on, we're going to hear more and more st stories about Nagy's, uh, uh, Ineptitude. Ineptitude. That's the word I was looking for. You know, I am dying to hear what Akeem Hicks said. Akeem Hicks, in his last interview with the Bears media, he was asked about Matt Nagy, and he paused and he said, you know, that's a question I'll, I'll answer after the season. And so he is probably being politically correct now because he wants to leave the door open to a return for the to the Chicago Bears because even in a part-time role, he could fill that three-tech uh, assignment uh, for the Bears and, and do it magnificently. You know, if they could work out a deal for somewhere between four and six million dollars for Akeem Hicks to return, I'll take him at half the snaps than the regular starter would. You know, uh, Iberflu said that he wants eight defensive linemen because he wants to rotate. He doesn't want to see Khalil Mack dog it downfield on a on a running play when the guy busts through the line. He wants to see Khalil Mack run down there and try to get the tackle. And so that makes sense. Rest Khalil Mack several downs so that he's fresh at the end of the game. How many times have we seen Khalil Mack just totally fucking tired at, by the end of the game? So a good rotation of eight defensive linemen. You is sound like Dan Bernstein now. <laughs> Coach, I'm hurt. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm, fuck you. I'm, I'm loafing because I'm hurt. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> that's true. I did. <laughs> Sometimes no, I'm true. kidding. I'm kidding. But you're right. Mac would be winded by the, the third or fourth quarter. I saw it so often. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's what like uh, Obranovich and, and Hampton would be so critical of, like, given that the money he was receiving, they're like, this dude's got to be in better shape. You know, they said it all the time. The thing, you know, that people um, neglect to factor into max play, and I know everybody talks about, yeah, he's double teamed and triple teamed on a lot of plays, and that's why he didn't get to the quarterback. But it's also the amount of energy that it sucks from you, even when somebody just 
you know, touches you on the way to the quarterback, just that chip block, you know, as, as the tight end is going on, even that stuff just is, uh, happens. You know, you're playing 700 snaps, 900 snaps a year, and you're getting chipped so often. It's hard, man. It's hard on a guy's body. And so I really do hope that if Mac and Quinn return this season, that they limit their snaps. There are two other defensive ends on this team who can also provide pass rush help. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I and and the whole idea of Akeem Hicks definitely not coming to the Bears. I, I don't think we, I think we should put a hold on that. I think that one of the reasons Hicks is not talking about Matt Nagy yet is because he's hoping maybe he can come back to his favorite city, Chicago. And I, I wouldn't mind that at all. I think he'd be a great help for this defense. And let me point out too, when he got signed by the Bears initially, he pointed out that his mom was ecstatic because she's a lifelong Bears fan. So maybe that plays into it too. Like, boy, I want you back with the Bears, you know? Like, so for real, I mean, you can't tell me if your mom was alive and you were able to play on a team and you were on your mom's team that wouldn't help just give you a little bit added emotion beyond the money. Mm-hmm. Hey, check out what uh, Robbie says here. Robbie says, Ibrafus kind of looks like Super Dave. So that's a major plus. <laughs> Yeah, I love Kirby enthusiasm. You know, he was uh That's right, he was. Yeah, he God, what was his name on there? Uh Funkhauser. Art, <laughs> Marty Funkhauser. That's right. Super Dave Osborne. Yeah. Uh very He's funny. Albert Brooks's real life brother. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They're brothers. Holy yeah. Fuck. I did not know that. And Albert Brooks's real name is Albert Einstein. <laughs> Get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, no, I'm serious. Yeah, Super Dave was Bob Einstein. Super Dave was Bob Einstein. Uh uh Brooks Albert Einstein and Bob Einstein. Why would you name your brothers? Name, why would you name your son Albert if his last name is Einstein? Do you why not, not? <laughs> keep aware of current events? <laughs> <laughs> uh the fact that has a question for the Tooch. Read that. Over. <laughs> I want to say the league year starts March 30th. I don't know if that's correct though. Uh you gotta read the question for our our, our people. Oh, sorry, Dan. Uh how, how long until we hear about the big Bears free agent signings? Around what month do they happen? I, I believe teams can sign free agents when the league year begins. Isn't that correct? It's next week uh, where next free week. agency okay. begins. So. And so what uh, what uh, General Manager Ryan Poles has said, he's going to wait to wave two. Uh, and so that means those first two days when you're seeing all these big name free agents signed and people on social media saying, what the fuck is the general manager doing? How come he's waiting and so forth? If you haven't been following the news, he told us it's going to be a day or two, a, at least two days. And that's when the value players start popping up. And um, and I'm going to talk about some of those value wave two wide receivers momentarily, but I still want to get back to the topic of Aaron Rodgers. Not that this show is about Aaron Rodgers, but he is. No, he, but he is because he's our nemesis. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So do you think Dan and Jen, John jump in here? Albert Brooks was the, was on the last season of Curb. That is right. Yeah, he was. He was the the COVID hoarder. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the woman left him because he was COVID hoarding. That's right. <laughs> I saw that episode. That was that was a good one. Uh, thanks, Jamal, for that. Um, so I want to ask you guys, uh, uh, Dan, and then John. 
what do you think about the signing? Do you think this is ultimately good for this Packers team, or do you think that this can backfire because it's going to put such a stress on the general manager's ability to sign uh, quality players to help Rodgers and the rest of the team play well? Uh, Dan, what do you think? This is so bad for them and for Matt LaFleur and that general manager. They lost. They fucking lost. Remember, they drafted Jordan Love, and they they had this, you know, this thing with – Rodgers attacking the general manager last offseason. It was a, a power struggle. And you know what? They lost. He is the boss. He's the boss. He's not going anywhere for four years. He got Mike McCarthy fired. I know you don't think very highly of him, but he did win a Super Bowl. So we got to point that out. But he's probably going to get this guy fired too because that's what he does. He disappoints in the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. He's the guy that gets the woman close to an orgasm and can't make her come. <laughs> or what I've heard someone else say on Twitter that uh, I forget who said it was someone prominently like on ESPN who said he's the pretty girl that has to be told she's pretty like eight times a day. Oh, yes. I forgot who said that. That was a great quote. Hairbear has a good one, too. She says, why would you spend that much money on a guy that can only beat bad teams? And And that's something that. Dan pointed out to me when I was telling him about, you know, the guy gets to the playoffs and Dan pointed out, have you seen his playoff record lately? And I went back and looked at it. I go, yeah, that's not very good. (laughs) I mean, if you're Matt LaFleur, he's your boss now. Mm -hmm. You're the general man. He's your boss. Mm -hmm. And he might as well be the general manager now too. I mean, he, he's Mr. Green Bay. Now he got what Brett Favre wanted. Brett Favre wanted them to say, I don't give a fuck if you got this Rogers kid in the wings or not. I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we're sending you to New York, bro. Mm-hmm. So to me, uh, this is bad for the Packers organization and potentially good for us. I know that almost feels like I'm kidding when I say that, but I'm not because I think for all of us and especially for the players that are on the team that have been there several years to finally start getting some wins on this guy is one of the first steps in the right direction to where you know okay our coaches you know Eberflus is putting us where we need to be if we can start getting some wins against this bully mm-hmm. so i'm kind of glad he's still there in that regard because i want like the bears toward the end started beating Favre under lovey mm-hmm. and we had all those years under wani we couldn't win under jerron we couldn't win and finally we're beating Favre. and like i'll never forget that game of soldier field no five when they hit him and they, they kept showing it in slow motion with the look on his face, the pain, and he, he was bloodied. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who hit him like from the secondary that bloodied him. And yeah, that's what I want from Rodgers. I want his ass bloodied. I want him to look like Travolta's hands on Pulp Fiction when Samuel L. Jackson's like, motherfucker, are you washing your hands or not? Your hands look like a goddamn maxi pad. <laughs> Remember the scene in Jimmy's garage after they shot? Yes. <laughs> That's yeah, that's the way. That's what I want to see. I want Rodgers beaten down. The, the league wouldn't have it. Yeah. If somebody hit the golden boy, we'd get suspended. But, man, that's what I want. I want to win so badly. So I'm glad. I honestly am glad he's still here. Mm-hmm. Bear says, what's stupid is that the Packers were starting to build a decent roster, and now they're going to have to tear it up to appease that smug fuck. <laughs> the hey. smug fuck. That's him, man. That's him. Tooch, what do you think about the signing? You agree with Dan, or you think that this could end up being meaning more NFC North titles and and shots at the at Super Bowl? Well, I'm talking about, I don't know how much the new salary cap is going to let them get away with. 
You know, well, once the salary, they the salary cap for this season is set at two hundred and eight million dollars, and right, and then season it can explode. The t- the next season it will explode. So right. the contract will probably be structured so that when that That's the next point. season when it when it explodes, most mm-hmm. of the money will probably be uh, on those caps. It might be a lighter number this year. I don't know. Somebody in the chat said it was forty six million this year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, their team will look different, and it means you know basically that uh, the Bears and Luke Getzey might have their choice of either Alan Lazard or Marcus Valdez Scantling because they probably can't resign both. Mm-hmm. So uh, you very well could see one of those two Packer receivers on the Bears next year mm-hmm. that you know uh, can plug right into Luke Getzey's system. So that would be something to look for there. Um, and, you know, Dan, Dan will get his wish to uh, to have a, a shot at dethroning Aaron Rodgers, you know, as he uh, proceeds in age and declines in skill. Uh, and then uh, we, we, we aren't getting rid of Aaron Rodgers. It looks like we might get rid of Kirk Cousins. He's he's being offered up for trade. I did not hear that. that. Is that, is that yeah, cool? today? Today the uh, news broke that the Vikings are uh, uh, are listening to offers for Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. See, that's my point too. A-, a few minutes ago, Aldo, I said, "Let me make you happy. Mm-hmm. Schedule's easier. At least we're not locked in on this Rodgers deal at the back end." I know Brady played to forty-four, but that is an aberration. And Rodgers is thirty-nine. I mean, are going to be thirty-nine or maybe thirty-eight, thirty-nine. Either way, he's, he's thirty-nine. This yeah. is gonna. Yeah, this is going to be deep into his 40s when this deal's over. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we're not stuck with Kirk Cousins' $30 million deal either. Mm-hmm. So the Bears are in so much better shape with Justin Fields than with these other two contracts. And dare I say, I'm happier with Fields than the Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson deal mm-hmm. because we didn't have to give up so many people. Now, granted, we gave up two first-round picks. But we didn't have to give up half the goddamn roster that that Denver did to get a man who's going to be thirty three or thirty four. We've got a kid who's like twenty four. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's let's go win with him, man. And, and you know, Dan, if uh, if Justin Fields is everything uh, we think he is, then we should uh, uh, we should eventually uh, beat Rodgers with Fields. You know, that's exactly natural, the the natural of the torch. Exactly. Exactly. I ran. Oh, a I'm going to jack off just thinking about that right now. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll see you in ten seconds. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I ran a poll on Twitter today and uh, lose Jamal there for a second there, uh, Dan, so we could read this. Uh, Bears fans, are you displeased that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are back in Green Bay, or do you welcome the opportunity to take ownership of the North with those two in in the division? Thirty-one percent said they wish that those two guys would just go away. But 68% said, bring them on. And I am with that 68%. I want to yeah. be Aaron Rodgers. That, that to me, it will always be a bitter taste in my mouth as a Chicago sports fan, as a Chicago Bears lover, if we don't do the same thing to Rodgers that we did to Favre, because we beat his ass the last several meetings we fucking destroyed Brett Favre. And that's what I want. I want these next six meetings that he's going to have under this contract with green Bay Packers. I want the bears to win all six of them. And if not at least five of them, because I got to give the, 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 the new bears a little time to get going. So I think I, about this, Aldo, mm-hmm. the last year Favre was a Packers quarterback. The bears swept them. And that's the last time the bears have swept the oh, Packers. Look at that. Look, you at know, seven. 
it's five years, two hundred million, right? Was the deal? I thought it was four. Four, four, four years, two, year. four hundred. Four years, two hundred million. I had it wrong. I had three years, and why is that? Because somebody signed for three years. Oh, Mike Williams, the wide receiver, which distressed me, but uh, that's another story. that we'll I, to. I want to point out, too, real quick, before the contract talk, with regards to your poll, mm -hmm. I'm so sick of this guy and everything he represents and everything he stands for and all that shit with his family and just being a bitch to everybody. And, you know, now he's been sucking up in the offseason, like officiating a wedding and trying to be a decent guy just so they give him this contract. But in if you're talking about the person or the personality that is Aaron Rodgers, I wish that he would be exiled. I wish he would have retired. I wish that he would get sent to the Ukraine. Like, that's how much I hate him. <laughs> I don't want to deal with him or see him or his the smug fuck ever again. But if you're talking about the player, mm -hmm. I want his ass beaten in the ring, man. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad he's back in that regard. I just hate dealing with all the other stuff as a fan, all the worship that comes from the NFL and the Chris Collins words. And it, it, you can't avoid it. I, if you're watching you. a game, you can't avoid it. And it just makes me nauseous. You know, what's weird is that over the last two years or so that Dan and I have been communicating so much, you know, we, we, we text each other a lot and so forth. He would use words like, I hate fucking Aaron Rodgers, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, that's strong, some strong language. He's just a quarterback in the football, in the national football. Hate is, is a strong emotion. He I goes, stand by that. I know you do. And, but after a while, I'm starting to think, you know what? I hate the motherfucker too. <laughs> I'm with you. Now, you say you hate Patrick Mahomes, and I'll, I will never hate Patrick Mahomes because uh, I think the adulation that he gets is no fault of his own. He's done some tremendous stuff, and he's done nothing wrong like like Rodgers has lied to the public, public, public health issues and stuff like that. I can understand hating a guy like that, but hating Patrick Mahomes because yeah, you're right. I use the word hate too loosely. Then with Mahomes, Dan, Dan I just like, like him because what he represents to the media, and maybe that's out of envy and all that. But I hate Aaron Rodgers, and I don't blame you. You're <laughs> <laughs> just laughing at both of us. I think how uh, how good is Aaron Rodgers going to be in the final two years of that contract? Though it'll be what 43, 44? Well, if he keeps getting those those colon cleanses or whatever the hell he's doing, maybe he's going to last as long as Tom Brady because I think that's why Tom Brady lasted long as those colon cleanses. Sign me up. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Aldo, Aldo, and I, about Aldo and I are about 15 years past due on those colon oh, cleanses. Oh, yeah. I'm actually going in for a colonoscopy in May. So. <laughs> oh, nice. My, my favorite part is the cocktail right before you go under. Oh, yeah. You'd know, be shitting seven, for hours. Seven seven minutes of euphoria. The uh, seven seconds. Seven seconds of fentanyl. Die. You know. Okay. Dan, you ever had a colonoscopy? No, I know that it's got to be something I need to do sooner than later. Yep. But when I turned forty, it was you know the height of COVID and all that, and the people were still on lockdown. So there was no way I was going to the. This is even before I got the vaccination. Mm -hmm. So there was no way I was going to the doctor unless I was fucking sick, you know. Um, but now. Uh, I need to be responsible and and do that, but uh, there's a couple of people maybe, in the chat room who have uh, volunteered to give you the colonoscopy. <laughs> maybe in the fall or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I need to get, get this get that, done that, sooner than later, but yeah, I haven't uh, done it yet. 
Yeah, I'll take- be 42 on Halloween, so I know that that's something I need to do. Yeah, for sure, man. Can Howard Stern get that cum lady to give Dan a, Dan a colonoscopy? <laughs> oh, man. give me, Debbie the cum lady, as good as her body is in the face, she looks like Dog the Bounty Hunter, but... <laughs> I would let her do it, though, you know. All right, so for, for people who don't listen to how what are you guys talking about? That, though, okay, I'll tell you the story, and it's worth subscribing to Sirius. That's how good the story is. So they got this guy who's got a tiny fucking micro penis. I've not seen it, but he's got it. He, allegedly, he has this tiny ass <laughs> And consequently, because he's got such a little dick, he can't get any ass. So he's slept with men over the years because, you know, if you couldn't get any pussy at all, it's like being in jail. Mm -hmm. I guess at some point you desperately need human contact. I don't know. Thankfully, I never had to deal with this. Mm -hmm. But so he says he's not gay. uh, But they say, well, you probably won't be able to come to this lady or anybody because you do like men. You're not cognizant of it. You're not you're not aware that how gay you really are. Mm -hmm. And then some people are saying he's on so many pills that he can't get hard anyway because mm-hmm. he's on, you know, he's got diabetes or whatever. the fuck. He's just so out of shape kind of thing. So I don't know. So Debbie, the cum lady, her whole thing is to say that her passion in life is to swallow semen. She says it's better than getting her, 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 her pussy eaten out. It's better than getting fucked. That's her thing. She, she says it tastes like sugar to her and she just loves cum. But she says like, she's afraid now that if she can't get this guy to come, it will hurt her self-esteem. So she says she's going to, you know, put a finger in his ass, going to eat his ass, going to suck his dick. She's, you know, she's trying to do the, the, um, the improbable, make this guy come, which I don't know why. It seems like if he never really been at the woman that, you know, he'd look down and see her and be like, oh my God, and come quick. But, and they've got a fake guy that, that impersonates Dan rather, uh, who's, (laughs) he's like, you know, I, I saw the killing fields <laughs> in Cambodia, but I don't know if I can accept this assignment. Have you seen this man's ass? <laughs> it's so funny. He's like, I've seen, I saw children with their faces melted by Agent Orange, <laughs> but I don't think I can deal with seeing Eric's big, gaping, disgusting asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, and he said something like, he's like, I have this nightmare, Howard. If I accidentally make eye contact with Eric when he ejaculates. <laughs> so it's finally going to happen. It's supposed to be on Monday wow. that he's flying down. They've been talking about this for, for years. I wasn't listening regularly. Mm-hmm. I watched Stern on E back in the 90s and kind of got away from him. Mm-hmm. But too. yeah, so they've been talking about this since like 18. Mm-hmm. And now it's finally going to happen. See, I kept hearing them talk about it like on road trips, like the Bears-Pittsburgh game, Bears-Cleveland, listening to Stern on the way and stuff. And But it's finally going to happen, allegedly on Monday. Debbie the cum lady mm-hmm. is going to try to make the micro-penis Eric, his name, they call him High Pitch Eric, going to try to make him come. <laughs> he said, yeah, the Stern had a joke. He said, Joe Biden has declared Monday a national holiday. <laughs> Everybody wants to know, will she make him come? And I'm on the edge of my fucking seat. Yep. PJ says, Dan's a good storyteller. Get a radio station where he talks porn. Yeah, you, you should get a job on Sirius XM. Uh, you know, just talking porn and talking, you know, whatever the fuck you want to talk about. You are an excellent storyteller, Dan. I think I am, too, if you have an attention span. 
Yeah, because you can be a little long-winded. I mean, uh, yeah, John had no beard when you started. Now he's got a full-length yeah. beard. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about the free agency wide receivers. What time is it? It yeah. is nine. Yeah. yeah. So, and then uh, after that, we'll uh, talk about Cosby and whatever other uh, programming or whatever other questions you get. But um, it is important to note that the Chicago Bears have said uh, that they are going to bypass to wave one wide receivers. And so it is, I mean, those weren't the exact words. Let, let's listen to uh, Ryan Pose. I still have his soundbite here from last week where he was talking about free agency. And uh, where is he? Where is he? Here it is. Uh, Ryan Pose talking on the value of the second wave of free agents. You're going to have some players that they're motivated. They got a chip on their shoulder. And they want to get back to free agency and, and go at it again. So they play with a purpose. And I've mentioned this before, but it's it's very hard to stay super motivated. You got to be a special human being to be in that first wave and keep going. You want your name etched in the stadium. That's what kind of mentality you got to have. So um, I definitely think there's a lot of good value down there. Plus, like I said, the mentality comes with it. So what players kind of fit under that mold based on the available free agents? Um, uh, uh, out out there. So, for instance, Christian Kirk, he's kind of a borderline uh, wave one, wave two. I, I kind of think he's a wave one free agent just simply because of the fact that it's a limited free agent wide receiver core. Christian Kirk caught 83 passes for over 1,000 yards. 256 of those were for yards after catch, and I included stats on – uh, on uh, with the yak categorization because I think that's the definition of a playmaker. Guys that catch the ball and then they they gain yards after the catch. Now Juju Smith Schuster is a is a guy who I I think could fall under that wave too because he had I think he only played like six games in the past season. And so he's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove him to to the NFL that he's worthy of a 20 25 million dollar a year type uh, contract in 2020 <laughs> he had 110 catches 446 yak yards 4.1 average excellent numbers he would fit in perfectly with the bears but is it can the bears afford him because if he's going to demand wave one dollars the bears are not going to sign him for 16 17 18 20 million dollars just just no no way let me throw a name out at you please do what if dallas cuts amari cooper See that's that's one because he's made, he's due to make twenty million dollars this season. So you'd have to uh, negotiate a deal, a one year deal, a prove it kind of deal. But it's gonna it, there's there's gonna be so many bidders for Amari Cooper that I think you'd have to bid something in the order of fifteen million dollars for mm -hmm. a one season. Do you want to pay that? I think he's a lot better than Robinson. Hmm. Allen, Allen, I mean. What do you what do you think, Tooch? You know, uh, they're they're kind of different players. You know, Robinson's big. He's not a, he, he he's not as fast as Amari Cooper. You know, and then Amari Cooper uh, has like the potential for, you know, catching a fifty yard touchdown. You know, taking it to the house. He's got a lot more speed than than Robinson. But yeah, he he's on a hundred million dollar deal right now. Mm -hmm. You know, if they cut, uh, you know, he'll be expensive. Uh, he uh he has periods or games where he kind of just disappears though too. <laughs> Amari exactly. Cooper, 
Where exactly. uh, you don't have this monster game, and then the next game might have three catches for 38 yards. It's I like, totally agree. You know, with where you. did he go? But yep. you know, I I uh, I don't know. I uh, it might be worth. I don't know. I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. Right. The word is is that the Cowboys are putting more value over on signing Michael Gallup, who is injured with an ACL. They're putting more value on signing him and perhaps allowing Cooper to go either via trade or just dropping him. So that's something to keep an eye on. If he does hit free agency, then the Bears obviously are obligated to talk to the Cowboys and see, I mean, uh, to, to uh, uh, Cooper's agent and see what he's asking for. And if you can sign him for $12 million for a one season deal, I don't think that's a bad, bad deal, but anything around the 15 plus million, absolutely not. Um, so here are the two, the two biggest wide receiver free agents of wave two signings in 2021 are Cordero Patterson and Kendrick Bourne. Both of those guys were the best value signings from the wide receiver position in last year's free agency. Those are two guys you wouldn't have expected would have good years in 2021, but they did, and they represented, according to Bucky Brooks of NFL.com, he was in their he was in his top 10. These two guys were in his top 10 list of value signings from last year. So let's look at the guys who could those potentially guys, uh... Those guys were in great situations, though. Let's not forget. Absolutely. Julio Jones was gone from the Falcons, and Cordell mm -hmm. Patterson was used in a bunch of different ways, not just as a wide receiver, but as Very a running back. And, you know, and Kendrick Bourne went to New England where they had nobody. You know, exactly. he, kind of, he kind of fell into the number one wide receiver role. He was, a, he was lost in San Francisco with all the guys they had there. They had Goodwin and uh, Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Oh. Hey, you two. Go outside. And play. The fuck was that? <laughs> was that me? <laughs> no, it was me. Okay. <laughs> but you're absolutely That's right. That sound like that Valtrex commercial or something. <laughs> yeah. But you're absolutely right. Kendrick Bourne, perfect situation with him. But, you know, that's kind of the situation here in Chicago. If you believe yeah, what the Bears absolutely. are going to do, they're going to create Great an point. offense that suits players. And there's really only one wide receiver on the team right now. It's Darnell Mooney. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, the rookie that they have, uh, Graham Daz Newsome. Daz Newsome, he could potentially be a good wide receiver, but you can't count on him. You got to get some good signings. There's, vir there's virtually a sign outside of house hall help wanted a wide receiver. Absolutely. You know? nobody, right. man. It's a beautiful uh, neon there sign. Might be, there might be a sign out there. Help wanted. <laughs> Exactly. You know, so a lot of Muhammad would say that's where wide receivers go to die. Exactly, right. Musa Muhammad is throwing rocks at that side. Right? Have a Musa Muhammad jersey? Just yes, out of curiosity, does. I do. It's he authentic. Does. I too. do it. <laughs> I love it. All right. So one name, uh, obviously, is DJ Shark, uh, the guy from uh, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. A, a career average of three point seven yak. Uh, drops are a problem for DJ, but he's got exceptional speed. Um, he was injured last season, so he probably has a large chip on his shoulder because he was progressing to be one of those top tier one receivers. And so he's going to be looking for a good deal, uh, a, a good opportunity where he could come in and be the number one receiver. You could sell him. I'm saying you and Darnell Mooney, number one and number two with Justin Fields throwing you the ball. That could be a great signing. DJ Shark, six foot four wide receiver with blazing speed. I, Danny and I saw him at the Senior Bowl. He won the Offensive Player of the Year award or a, a Player of the Game award that day. And so we were like looking at each other, man, he'd be great on the Bears. 
Um, now he's available as a free agent. So that's somebody to take a look at. Now, the guy from Green Bay, Marquez Valdez-Scatling, in four seasons, he was tied for fifth in the league with nine receptions of 40-plus yards. That's a playmaker. That's a big-time playmaker. Oh, yeah. I talked about most, it last week. You did. And most of that production <clears throat> came in 2020. What I don't like about Marquez, uh, which I would put him lower on my list, is he had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. Why aren't his numbers much even more prolific? You know, and I think part of that is because Rodgers tends to favor Devontae Adams way too much, and I think that actually hurts their offense, specifically on big games where where uh, defensive corners you know have a lot of time to prepare. But I, so I'm a little bit iffy on on MVS. Now the one guy that I really like a lot from Green Bay is Alan Lazard. He has yep. he had eight touchdowns in 2021 for the Packers. That's the most of any available free agents. That's the most. He's, he's the a dude. Touchdown. He's a guy. He's, he's a big. great walker, six foot four, six foot yeah. five. And he's, must, he's thick. He is very, very he, thick. He went to high school right down the road here, Urbandale, Iowa. Oh, Iowa cool. State kid. Yeah, Ames, about thirty-five minutes from here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm him. happy with either of those guys, Lazard or. Scaling. Well, we need so much help. We could get two or three of these guys. But the thing about Lazard is that he is a restricted free agent, so I'm not sure he's going to even be available. I think what the what the Packers are going to do is is sign him to a a second round tender because as a free agent you you're offered tender contracts, and so a second round tender means it's it's a contract that's worth three and a half million dollars, and if the Bears match that then they Bears would have to give up a second-round pick, and I think it would be next year. Greg Gabriel says that if it's a third-round tender, sign him up. I say even a third-round tender, I'd be a little cautious about that. Yeah. But one guy I'm really high on, and, and Tooch tells me he is too, is Cedric Wilson of the Dallas Cowboys. This guy had six touchdown catches last year, 600 yards, 283 yak yards for a, almost a 6 Point zero average on yards after the catch. This guy is an ascending player. This guy is a, is a dude to keep an eye on no matter what team he ends up with, and I would love to see him with the Chicago Bears. A couple more guys here I got. Uh, three more, I think. Um, Russell Gage with the Atlanta Falcons. He had four touchdowns last season. First uh, half of the season he was injured, and then other injuries when, when he came back. The Falcons had some other injuries at the wide receiver position, so he essentially was elevated to the number one wide receiver. And I know Tooch knows all this because Tooch is a fantasy football expert. Well, he ended up with 66 receptions for 770 yards, 255 yak yards, four yards per average. He would be, I think, a valuable guy that you could get at, at a good deal away to yeah. some. Um, we need bodies. We need bodies. We need we bodies. bodies. And, uh, yeah, I would love to get a number one ride receiver. I would like to get uh, Chris Godwin. But Chris Godwin, even with his ACL injury, is getting the franchise tag from uh, from the Bucks, So he's not available. We're not going to yeah. get any of these guys. It, it just doesn't seem that way. The so Brian, we're getting to a, a, a one receiver would probably be Juju Smith-Schuster, and even he's going to be expensive. You know, exactly. People are talking about Odell Beckham Jr. He's not going to even be ready until middle of the season. Exactly. Would, you know, I don't want Beckham. Let me just say that now. Why, why I, is that, Dan? I've been quiet. I like Juju Smith-Schuster from I Pittsburgh. I, I always liked him. 
He's a stud. You know, the only thing you have to be worried about is he going to come back from his injury and play at a high level. I think he will. And I think he wants to prove to everybody that he's a tier one receiver. So, um, Juju is definitely on my radar. Now, Brian Pringle, he had five touchdowns, 220 yak. In 2021, Pringle played 49% of the Chiefs' offensive snaps and had career best in receptions, 42 yards, 568, and touchdowns, five. So if he were to play 80% of the snaps with the Chicago Bears, could he potentially have eight touchdown passes? Uh, 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 67 as well. Exactly. So I lot, I lot, when I bring up Brian Pringle's name, a lot of people uh, scoff at it. But trust me, this guy is an ascending player, and he's got a contract, by the way, with Pringle Pringle's potato chips. So uh, <laughs> does he really? Yes, he does. Wow, nice. You know, uh, uh, he also returns kicks. He also returns kicks. So there's yeah. value there. And if you don't sign, resign. Uh, Grant, uh, J- I was going to say Jakeem Grant. I, I love Jakeem Grant. Yeah, if you can't bring Grant back, maybe you have Cohen doing the kickoff return or punt return. Uh, because hopefully, maybe he's gone, but maybe he's back. I'm saying hypothetically, sure. if you can't bring Grant back, it might. The reason I'm saying that is if we sign uh, Smith Schuster, I don't want him returning kicks, man. I want you to be taking the top off the defense. Mm-hmm. All right, don't get hurt returning kicks. My last guy is Jawan Jennings. I was talking to Tooch uh, before we went live. 24 regular season receptions for the San Francisco 49ers. 15 of those receptions earned the 49ers a first round. Yeah. That's key. I, you got to see him in the playoffs. Yep, exactly. A glimpse. Yep. Exactly. He tied for third among all uh, available free agents with his five touchdowns. He had as many touchdown passes as Christian Kirk. And he, and he played limited time. He was the third wide receiver for the 49ers at this about the midway of the season. This is the guy I want. Big body, big, huge guy, can block downfield, big playmaker, makes a lot of things. This guy is a guy that moves the chains. Fred Warner, his teammate with San Francisco, said, Jawan Jennings is one of the best players in the NFL that people don't know. This is a guy to keep an eye on. Look at some tape with, with, uh, uh, with this guy, and I bet you the Bears have this guy high up on their free agent target. I hope so because uh, I mean San Francisco's got Ayuk and Samuel, you know, and and uh, would they be smart to resign Juwan Jennings? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I wonder. I want to ask you though if you think uh, maybe there are other teams have him rated high as well, you know, and there he, he might not be a second wave free agent. He might be. He might take a deal on the first wave. You know, yeah, I, I doubt it, but maybe you're right, given that there aren't that many first wave free agents to begin with. You know, yeah. he could be signed on day one of free agency. And if that's the case, then I think Ryan Poles' strategy uh, of waiting for value, uh, you know, might not have paid off, but we'll that's see. The, it's the kind of move that really makes a season if he turns out to be, you know, as productive as, say, someone like Juju Smith Schuster or. Uh, DJ Chark or even Allen Robinson. You have to do because we, we were talking about Mike Williams from the Chargers. This guy's probably a pretty good comp to Mike Williams. You know, about the same size, mm-hmm. you know, big body, fast. You know, Mike Williams is like six five, two thirty. You know, Juwan Jennings is a big guy like that. I don't know if he goes two thirty, but uh, he's the kind right. of guy that he's the kind of guy that could turn into a Mike Williams for you. You know, mm-hmm. close, absolutely close. 
getting you close to number one wide receiver numbers and, mm-hmm. you know, a boatload of touchdowns, you know, if you're down close in the red zone, you know, mm-hmm. he's a big target. Indeed. Um, so that's my wide receiver report. A lot of big decisions to come up, and it all starts next week. I think next week on Tuesday, Dan, when we're on, John, when we're on, I think that's the last day of the illegal tampering period. So we'll, we'll be getting reports that this guy is going to sign with this team and so forth. Cause every year that's, the, that's the case before the actual free agency happens. Uh, the, the reports are already coming in that this guy's going to schedule, uh, this guy's going to sign with this team and so forth. So we're going to have a, a very fucking busy show next week, keeping a track of all that. But I wanted to see what was available there and what kind of candidates could be available to Ryan Poles and wave two. And I'm starting to get worried, man, that, um, we got to figure out a way to get some more draft picks because that could be a really big solution to some of our problems. This draft is really deep, Dan, with guys who are like second-tier talents. Like Daniel Jeremiah was saying that after the first 10 picks or so, the, the 11th through the middle of the third round, late third round, that all those guys are almost interchangeable. They're so closely graded on so many boards that some teams might have a third rounder up on the first round and 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 it be completely flipped for a different yeah. different team. That's the kind of draft that we're having. And this would be a great draft to have a, a two second rounders or two third rounders. And and Mike, Mike that, Williams uh, signed a three-year, sixty million dollar deal with the Chargers today. That's so right. He's not available, but he is gone. He's a goner. Jawan um, Jennings is available. Makes Aldo available. and I very happy. Yes, that would make me so so fucking happy. I love a young guy. Just you know, nobody under the radar. Mm-hmm. Let me add a couple names to you. I, I, I maybe I'm wrong, but I think no. that they were free agents. Uh, Demir Bird. Yeah, I know that doesn't sound like electricity. Uh, he dropped a lot of passes, it seemed, but he had a great catch in Seattle. He had a touchdown against Green Bay. Do we bring him back? And what about um, Marquise Goodwin? I assume that they're both available, so they're at least something you got to look at because they were in your building. You know, those are, those are the kinds of guys that I would they should go to Justin Fields and say, what do you think about these guys? Uh, now, seriously, I need your professional opinion. Do you think you can establish a rapport? We're trying to find you guys that you are comfortable with so that when it's third down and eight and the pressure is coming, that you look downfield and you see that Darnell Mooney is totally covered. Who's going to be your, your second option? Is it going to be Baird? Is it going to be Goodwin or should I find somebody else? That's the kind of questions I would be posing to Justin Fields to see if he if he has a connection with any of these guys. And I would bring up A-Rob too. If he says, no, man, you got to bring A-Rob back. I know A-Rob and I can get back together. I can get him to 100 catches and so forth. But and didn't I, it seem like they didn't really have chemistry? It felt like it was totally he and Mooney were, were tight, but not Robinson at all. Totally agree. And I know a lot of people have said, you know, uh, Allen Robinson checked out last season. You know, and as time goes on, I start to think about it. Maybe he did, man. Maybe, you know, because of the injuries that he suffered and he knew. The bald fuck. The bald fuck was fucked him over and stuff. Maybe he maybe it impacted his play. Uh, but he's oh, still going to It would be hard not for your morale to be hurt. Although the flip side of that is you're getting your game checks and you should be wanting to win and get your new contract. So there's no way we'll know the answer to this, but the true answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
if you want to get and if you put yourself in his position, like like I said, it's just hard when you, you no one respects the coach and you just feel like they don't want you here in spite of giving you that money. I mean, at the end of the day, your employer only has to sign your checks mm-hmm. and, uh, and they can treat you like shit and you have to take it. However, all of us want to be liked and respected by our employer. And if he didn't feel like he was, it would be, it just makes him a man to feel like, why am I here? Because mm-hmm. any, any of us would feel the same way if our employer just, just was so apathetic about us the way Matt Nagy was about him. Mm-hmm. Bear Truth 9 says that this year, Ryan Poles and his coaching staff, their job is to add and build a strong core. And next year is when you will have a better idea of what you got and then really focus on the players. <laughs> yeah, right, it, it right. is that way. But I think Bear Truth 9, you know, if I can add my own thought to that is – Make sure, first and foremost, that you come out of free agency in the draft with an offensive line that people are going to go, holy fuck, fucking Fields is going to have time to throw, and whoever is running that ball is going to have to have big holes and stuff. So that is the key thing, I think, uh, is let's keep this quarterback healthy. There were too many times in his rookie season where I saw him get hit, and I said, okay, it's fucking over. This He's going to be like uh, – Jay Williams, the Chicago Bulls number one draft pick from a few years ago, who gets into or RG three or RG three. You know these great, uh, great, great potential players, players with great potential who uh, are injured, and that that happened a number of times. And some of the hits that he took are just not healthy, man. Hits to the head and stuff. We don't want that for our quarterback. We want to give him clean pockets, time to make decisions, and so forth. So that's the highest priority. He knows that. Yes, and you're absolutely right, Tooch. If, uh, when it comes to that, I, I would really like to see the Bears get focus on the slot receiver uh, position. You know, get a guy that's you know just a slot receiver. Like I don't know, if you know who Hunter Renfro is? He's on the, uh, mm-hmm. the Raiders. Just a guy that he just gets open underneath, moves the chains. You know, a guy really hard to cover in that short area and short time. And it's this is a position that uh, Brady and the Patriots made famous with guys like Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, little guys, shifty guys. The Jets had Jamison Crowder, and they got another guy named Braxton Berrios. I'd like to see the Bears give him a shot. He'd be pretty cheap. He could be like one of those little underneath guys, just moving the chains, making you know, getting five, six, seven, eight catches a game. You know, that make a difference. That's what I would like. To another see guy for you, Tooch. Uh, I don't. I'm not advocating for him, but I keep seeing that he's going to get cut. Is uh, Beasley from Buffalo? They used to play at the Cowboys. Yeah. The guy who who would not uh, anti-vaxer. Get, yeah, the anti-vaxer. <laughs> I, don't yeah, I didn't that. say I was advocating for him. No, I'm just I know. Saying, like, I, know. I, I wouldn't hold that against him. That fuck, you know, he, the guy could play. He'd be a great slot receiver. He could catch you 60, 70, 80 passes a How season. How old is he now, though? That's a good question. Let me look it up. He was in – you remember the last game Brandon Marshall played with the Bears, and he got hurt in a primetime game, and he was so mad that Cutler didn't see him in the hospital. Mm -hmm. On a Thursday night in 2014, Cole Beasley was with Dallas then. Mm. Because I'm pretty sure he caught a touchdown that night because he had really long hair back then. Because that's the first time I remember ever seeing him. I was like, who is this long-haired fuck, this white guy? (laughs) Who is this fucking guy? He, He can't be any good. You know, but he, he was pretty good. But my point is, this guy's got to be like 32, right? That's exactly correct. 32 years old. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't sign him. I mean, not because of his politics. I really, it's not. I just think for for wide receiver, thirty two is getting there. You know. I don't know. I mean, he's a good player. You know, you know what is, is going on in, in sports, and we saw it at the combine. There were I'm watching the defensive backs run the 40, and it's 4.4 something, 4.4 something, 4.4 something, 4.4 something. I I I told I asked Greg, it was that track really fast at Indianapolis? Because these guys were all running so fucking fast. There was that defensive lineman was six foot four, 350 pounds, and he ran a a, a 4.8. And um Greg said, no, it's all the nutrition and new workout things. And these guys are just working out to run fast 40s. It's it's all of that that's going on. And a guy like Cole Beasley, I know he's not taking his vaccinations, but hopefully he's staying in shape and probably can play another two, three years. Uh, those kinds of slot receivers who catch balls over the middle, move the chains, uh, go down before any serious contact, those guys can play for a few years. So I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe you're right. I just feel like a wide receiver, unless you're really, really special, you know, the Tim Browns or the Jerry Rice, the Hall of Famers, that the play a really long time. Mm-hmm. It just a lot of guys start to become guys around 32. Mm-hmm. You know, 32, yeah. 33, 34 wide receivers. It's hard for them to maintain the explosiveness at that position, plus the the beating they're taking. Right. And by the way, I'm only advocating a Cole Beasley contract of a year. It's a year, catch some passes, get the fuck out of here, you know, um, because we do need to get some bridge players. You know, it, uh, in 2023, when we have our full allotment of draft picks, we'll have uh, uh, plenty of money in in the in the uh, uh, salary cap, um, barring something unforeseen. That's when we're going to be able to to make some major acquisitions. Right now, what we need to do is make sure we keep Justin Fields safe. That is the number one priority. That's what all of your thinking should should be dedicated to first and foremost. Yes, you need to get him some weapons at all, at, at the wide receiver position, but you ain't going to have time to throw to those guys uh, unless you're keeping him safe. So that's my number one and priority. Number two, number two would be like, listen, David. Uh, none of this bullshit with the bald fuck. Get ready to run the ball, pal. Mm-hmm. Mr. Yeah. Montgomery, you're going to be our yeah, guy. Right. You're going to be, it's not 1977 Walter Payton, mm-hmm. but God damn it, it's 2022 David Montgomery. Let's go. Mm-hmm. We're going to run the ball a lot to keep number one healthy. And lot, he's capable. A lot of talk today about uh, given that the Seahawks now are in a cell now fire sale kind of thing they traded away russell wilson they're trying to acquire draft picks and assets to build a rebuild their team so what do you do uh with dk metcalf was one year left on his contract and is probably going to be demanding a 15 to 25 million dollar contract yeah they're going to want a first round pick for him right so but do you call him you call seattle and say all right we'll give you our second round draft pick because we don't have a first rounder, and we'll give you David Montgomery because you no. guys don't have a running back. No, no, no. Because we need a alignment mm-hmm. in the second round more than likely. And for fuck's sake, David Montgomery is a stud. I believe in this guy. I want so him resigned. I think he <laughs> is our guy. Move in the neck for the next five years. Other than Fields, he's our guy. I, I'm sold on him. Like I want to buy his jersey. 
but I don't because I'm afraid he'll be gone after this season. Dude, I love I'm probably going to get. I, I, I love I love DK. I, mean, I love, I love uh, David Montgomery. Don't get me wrong. He's Iowa State guy, but DK Metcalf is an animal. He's big. He's fast. He's got decent hands. He's just another thing altogether. You know, he's young. He's fast. Uh, and, and then the other thing to keep in mind is that Mon- this is Montgomery's last year on his contract. And that's so, why I said I want him resigned. So will yeah. you pay $9 million, $10 million to David Montgomery when running backs are, have become so interchangeable? You saw what Khalil Herbert did when he stepped in from I, I don't know what we have to do. I'm not Ryan Poles, but I want 32 and 58 resigned before they hit the market. I want them to receive extensions this year. So we can just not worry about Roquan or Mr. Montgomery leaving in 2023. Make that happen. Now, Hugh Evans in the chat says Metcalf drops too many passes and has concentration and discipline issues. Absolutely correct. He also gets a lot of passes thrown to him. Well, yeah. Over 100 targets. Big play machine. Exactly. (laughs) But I'm not doubting Matt Metcalf being a phenomenal acquisition, but not at – the price of giving up our, which would be our first pick of the draft, even though it's a second rounder, as you know, and our stud running back. No, man, no. All right. I know. I, I mean, I love David Montgomery. Don't get me wrong. I love him. But, man, I, you can find running backs in this draft every year, you know? Exactly. Well, we've had we've had the, the Alshon Jeffries and even Brandon Marshall. We've had stud wide receivers, and yet, here we are yeah. still having not won a playoff game since 2010. I think Which David Montgomery is in a diva though, right? utilized appropriately can help us get there. Mm-hmm. All wide receivers are divas. Right? That is that is true. It's hard it's hard to find one that's not. Yeah. All right, so Tom Waddle. No, uh, yeah, um, that's a good one. But you had to go back 50 years. So. Um, so no to DK Metcalf, you say, but what about if Seattle says, well, he won't trade you Tyler Lockett for those two uh, guys? No, I don't want to trade Montgomery to me. Montgomery, Fields, and Roquan are probably the three guys on the team. I say we're not trading. Untouchables. Not no, untouchable. They're, they're the three best players, players on the team. Fields is untouchable, period. He, We're not getting rid of number one if I'm the general manager, but – the other two guys, you're going to have to give me a stupid deal to get them that you're not going to want to give up. So don't even worry about it. Uh, now, if you're talking about giving up Mac, and again, I want Khalil back. If you're talking about them taking on Mac, his contract, and giving us uh, Metcalf straight up, then I'm talking to you. All right. I, and I'm not arguing with you. I, I just think it's a interesting uh topic what, would, what does greg gabriel think about montgomery do you know uh he loves uh, he loves david montgomery but i'll ask him uh the next time we do a show together if he thinks david montgomery should not be traded to add more draft picks because here's the thing you trade a guy like david montgomery you know you got to replace him so you're going to use the draft pick you acquire to probably replace him. And so that to me seems like a no win situation yeah. for you. Yeah. Th- this guy is a stud, man. Sometimes I'm not going to say Khalil Herbert isn't going to be productive for the bears, but I'm just saying, I really believe in Montgomery, you know? And like, I even think he's better than Matt Forte. 
I think Forte was just a guy who could catch screen passes, but he couldn't run with power. And I think he's our best back. He had long speed, though, Forte. Yeah, Forte was – Forte could take it to the house. Forte would be even better in today's NFL than he was, and he was damn good with the Bears. Uh, back in those Tressman years, but he wasn't running with power. Those I'm he's saying, not he a was, power no, back. he wasn't a power back. No. He was way, good at catching passes like Marshall Falk out of the backfield yeah, on right. wheel routes and things like that, or screens and taking it all the way. Exactly. I don't want to take anything wrong, take anything away from 22. I'm just saying that the point is, like in terms of being able to run the ball and run your ass over, he's our best back since Thomas Jones. True. Um, I will. Uh, I will ask him that question, Hair Bear. Um, the the thing about Forte is that the Bears always always seemed at least and Dan will remember this more than anybody else is they always appeared to get a power back to back him up Michael Bush uh, who was a guy who ran Chester out of Taylor yeah Chester Taylor Marion Barbers who you're about to say <laughs> that fuck game in Denver I don't know what he was doing the game. <laughs> he didn't want to get hit that's what he was doing. <laughs> Yeah, man, looking like Franco Harris with the Seahawks there, running out of bounds. Yep. And then the other thing I wanted to make sure to talk about here is, is Tariq, because you mentioned his name, Dan. It appears to me, on, and credit, I was listening to, uh, who was it, uh, Lauren Cox on his Locked On uh, podcast. He said that he heard on a podcast uh, that Tariq Cohen was a guest on, that Tariq said, I'm not going to step out in the field until I feel 100%. When I plant my foot and I'm not concerned that there's something going to go wrong. So perhaps what is going on with Tariq Cohen is that he is being the delay. He personally, because he just doesn't feel right. And perhaps that's why Ryan Pose chose not to talk about Tariq's health, because this might be more of a mental thing. You know, a lot of times yeah. players who have had injuries – Sometimes they're hesitant to make the moves that they used to before because they think they they're not ready yet, and and sometimes you just have to say fuck it, I'm going to try it. And that doesn't that doesn't make him. Let me stress this too: that doesn't make Tariq a pussy, or doesn't mean that he's lost his fire. But like you said, it's just he has to be able to trust his body, and he can't be worried about what if I make a cut and it goes again. So mentally, he has to be ready before he steps on the field. I get that, but that's a big problem uh, for us to have. Unfortunately, if you're talking about two full years almost, when the season starts, that is, since he got hurt, if he's still not ready, man, if you're still not ready, you might have to retire by that point. And I hate to say that because I liked him, man. He's a middle-round pick, a small guy who's overcome all these, like, odds. You know, you're 5'6", 5'7". You're not supposed to make a mark in the league. Mm -hmm. And early on in his run, he did. He was running the ball, catching the ball, just explosive, man. And so you root for guys like that. And I'm glad he got paid for his own, his own, yeah, against a bad deal for the Bears. But fuck it, they got money. So I'm glad that for Cohen's sake, he got paid. Let's just hope he's able uh, to trust his body. I would like to see him back in running kicks and, and looking like the Cohen that we knew. Don't forget in that playoff game against Philly, the, the classic game that we lost because of Parkey. Mm-hmm. But what happened to set up that game, what would have been our game-winning drive, because at that season, Cohen was only returning punts. But at the end of the game, after Philly scored, they put Cohen back there, and he returned a kick almost to midfield. And he, again, he's he's Dennis Gentry in that regard. He, at least before. Uh, he could be like Patterson, Cordero Patterson. Somebody that's just 
a spark plug returning kicks. So even if that's all he did, if he could return, I think that's big. But if he can't trust his body, he may have to retire. Um, it was uh, Sylvester texting me. <laughs> Sylvester, good. Is, I'm glad I got you all hooked up. Yeah, Cody <laughs> in the chat room was wondering if Tooch was texting the cum lady, <laughs> Set, setting up Dan's colonoscopy, making the appointment <laughs> with the cum lady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you rather be awake during the colonoscopy, Dan? I've never been put to sleep, so I, I really? don't know. I do have uh, some fear about that, but I also feel like somebody probing my asshole would probably terribly hurt. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. You know, when I got my, uh, this is going to be my third colonoscopy. Uh, when I got my first one, apparently my blood pressure went up. Uh, and I, I didn't know what the fuck was going on because I was dead asleep. But when I came to, up to the nurses were like, we thought we lost you, man. And I'm like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was, what, 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 what do you mean? You thought you lost me? Yeah. Your blood pressure went really up. You had a scurrying around there for a moment. I go, should you be telling me this? Because <laughs> now I'm not sure I ever want to come back here again. <laughs> what what brought it down? Did they tell that to give you some kind of medicine? Or? No, they just uh, I forgot what they said, but it, it wasn't as uh, dramatic as she made it seem. According, it sure fucking sounds dramatic. Exactly. When I asked my doctor about it, he goes, Ah, she's exaggerating. You're fine. It went up for a little while, and we we uh, we got it under control. And so I was just like, I don't want to ask anything else. Uh, how's my asshole looking? And he goes, Oh, it looks good. We had a polyp in. There, we got rid of it and you're good to go. <laughs> See, even the word polyp makes you want to vomit. I know. I know. Like, oh fuck, a polyp. Yeah, how the fuck did a polyp get in my asshole? Who the hell's been up there? <laughs> uh. <laughs> what the hell is going uh. on when I'm asleep in this house? <laughs> I get hemorrhoids. You know, those are fun oh. too. You get those things rubber banded, you can't sit Ooh. for 48 hours. <laughs> yes. Dan, you got any hemorrhoids? No, if they do, I guess in, aren't don't don't we all have them? But they're just internal, right? But yeah, the yeah. way that they get inflamed is when we say, "Oh, we've got hemorrhoids," right? Isn't that how it is? Yes. Yeah. If you, yeah. So I've yeah. never had an in, in, inflamed hemorrhoids at all. Mm -hmm. Like I've never had any problems out on my ass. I've never had a God. Let me knock on wood, as they say. I've never had a kidney stone. I've never had any problems with my ass, or uh, you know. So I'm 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 good in that regard. Mm -hmm. Never had a catheter. Fuck, I never want a catheter. Yeah, never. never. I don't want one of those fucking things put in my urethra at all. Uh. If, I, if I ever have to get a catheter, uh, that's it, guys. See ya. Who wants to borrow them? You can have it. <laughs> Fuck, I had, man. For real. I had I don't hernia surgery. I had, I, had, I had hernia surgery. Oh, yeah? And, uh, uh, the, you know, I was so numb down there. And they're like, hey, you're done. You drink this orange juice and flew it up but you can't leave until you take a piss well i could you know i couldn't feel anything down there like I'm, I'm like aching you know because my bladder was fucking about to burst i had to get a had to get a, a catheter put in i was like you can oh hear me screaming down the hall couldn't you just piss normally did you have to have I, I, I was so numb down there from the surgery you know i was like christ how did, were, did they put you to sleep to take it out no no, I had to put. Oh they had to put God. one in. They had to put one, one in. You call me a pussy. If they're yanking that thing out of me, I I would die. I would fucking die. I had to have one put one in because I couldn't go to the bathroom. You know, I was my I, bladder was. If somebody was pulling that out of my penis, though, I would probably pass out. If that makes me a pussy, have at it. I'll own it. Well, I, I, it's it's no fun going in either. <laughs> oh God, like yeah, fuck that. I'd be like, I'll piss on my own when it's in time, man. Don't put that in there.
Holy fuck. <laughs> a lot of good polyp jokes in the chat room. Yeah, uh, hernias hernia. and polyp. We're talking hernias and polyps. Yes. The bald fuck <laughs> with a polyp. <laughs> I see that for sure. And it, let me stress this to Aaron. We're not talking about you. Aaron's always like, come on, man. Stop the bald jokes. I mean, but he is the bald fuck, not Aaron. We're talking about Matt Nagy. Aaron who? Mikulski. Oh, I didn't even know he was bald. He gets, a little, he gets a little, uh, he's like, don't jab all bald people. <laughs> so I'm saying, bald. We're not talking about you. We're just talking about Nagy, who happens to also be bald. No. I, the I, bald. I, I, love, I love Jeremy asking me if I got an erection while I was having my colonoscopy. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I think I did. <laughs> I might have. See, and all, all jokes aside, I'm not trying to bring the show down, oh, no. but... No, with my with my mom, that ended up being one of the things, and I didn't know it at the time. She was avoiding getting her annual pap smears or something. And I don't know why. Uh, I mean, because, you know, I don't talk about – I didn't talk about, like, hey, let me ask my mom about her fucking pussy. You know, of course, I don't have those talks. So I don't know why she did that, but I don't want to be a hypocrite and think, like, so strongly, like, what the fuck? Why was she doing that? And then not get my ass checked. So yeah. I feel like I have to do that, you but I to. am worried about it. I'm really stressed about it. Yeah, don't be stressed about it. You'll be fine. You really hope, won't. Man, you really you won't. never know. And, and and just as a word of warning, like, uh, uh, Tucci, you're, you're muted. <laughs> you were muted because you were laughing so I much? Said, uh, yeah, I was laughing a lot because the comments in the chat room and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's got comedy like, right <laughs> in the chat room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bear Truth Nine was like, change the subject. I was like, wait till we start talking Bill Cosby. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Well, let's make that transition right yeah. now. Uh, uh, let me uh, set the stage here for people. Uh, is it Showtime that's on? It's on Showtime, yeah. It was, it was on, on Showtime. Yeah, yeah, it was a four-parter. Four-part series. Yeah. Uh, uh, we need to talk about Bill Cosby. Yep. The documentary, a four-part documentary done by Kanu Bell, W. Kanu Bell, who uh, Kamal Bell, yep. Kamal Bell, excuse me, uh, sorry. Um, I first uh, saw him when he was on one of the cable channels doing a comedy show, and then he went on to CNN and was doing documentaries for him for for that network, and now he has done this four-part documentary, and it's it's fascinating because it's basically from the point of view of African Americans. It's you had this guy who was a truly historic African-American uh, uh, who broke color barriers. He was the first black man to star in a primetime series in the 1960s. He and Robert Culp were the stars of a show called I Spy. And he was a comedy genius. He was selling comedy albums as a kid. My uncle had one of his comedy albums, and I listened to it incessantly. Uh, he went on to have uh, uh, other TV shows. His popularity and his wealth continued to grow and grow and grow. And then all of America became really, really um, attached to Bill Cosby when he did the famous Bill Cosby show, which showed him as Dr. Cliff Huxtable with a beautiful wife who was a lawyer uh, and a great kids, a great family life. And we all loved the show. And it didn't matter you know, uh, what your political persuasion was. It didn't matter where you lived in this country. You would turn on the Cosby show and you would be delighted with laughs. And there were, there was also cultural moments in the Bill Cosby show. He was a lover of jazz music and he introduced so many people to 
Thelonious Monk and, and other great jazz artists and so forth. The show was an out-and-out hit on so many different levels. A big hit for NBC, but also a big hit for the country because it it, it just presented uh, African-American families in a way t- TV typically did not. You know, I grew up watching Good Times uh, about uh, a family in the Chicago housing project. Uh, so this documentary so many African-Americans are expressing their love and appreciation for Bill Cosby, but also how heartbreaking it is. And, and in some cases, what a monster he is because of some of the things that he did. I'll let you guys pick it up from there. Yeah, it's heartbreaking for me. Uh, before I comment on the documentary, I wanted to remind you of something that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned that, you know, his wife, Felicia Rashad, mm-hmm. I can remember being a kid when Ahmad Rashad proposed to her on air, mm-hmm. all live on TV, and I asked my mom, "Isn't she married to Bill?" You know, I was a kid. I thought that was Bill Cosby's wife. <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean Ahmad Rashad's proposing? That's Bill Cosby's wife." So yeah, to Felicia Rashad, I don't remember her maiden name, but uh, yeah, that happened live on air. I don't know if you remember that. Um, I don't. That Ahmad- yeah, it was on like NBC's pregame or something in like 86 or something. But uh, yeah, the Cosby show, man, uh, for me, I hate that I even have to just, you know, say, well, I'm a white guy. Because uh, to me, the show as a kid, I, I I can tell you this, and I'm not just, it's easy for people to put their parents up on a pedestal, especially after they're die, they die. Never at any point in my life do I remember mom my mother telling me like, Hey, this is a good show about black people or this is about black people. Or like, there was never any reference to the fact that Bill was black or the family was black. Uh, we, we had, we didn't have a lot of family time because just domestic violence and all these things that happened. But for whatever reason, one of the things that would bring us together was the Cosby show when I was really young I even watched a different world. So I was a huge fan of Bill Cosby, like a huge fan. And yeah, just watching this documentary. And again, I know that like you were pointing out all the reasons that other people, and I didn't even know that it was a, a show that was presenting black people in a different way that they'd ever been presented on TV. Cause I was a child and I didn't know the way black people have been treated on TV before, you know what I mean? Cause I'm five, but I, I just, I just assumed that black people were as equal as I was. And it just, it felt normal is what I'm saying uh, from the ignorance of uh, where I was coming from and the, uh, the, the youth of where I was coming from. But, but my point being for the people that were talking on there for different reasons that it hurt them. It, it hurt me too, man, because that's a, I, I don't have a lot of positive moments from my youth, and he was one of those. He truly was, mm-hmm. and his show meant a lot to me. Uh, and just, it makes me feel six, five, seven, whatever. It makes me feel safe. My mom is going to protect me. It's going to be okay. We're going to, you know, things are tough today, but we're going to have our meals. She's going to get us food. We're, she's going to get me school clothes, whatever it is. And it just reminds me of that time when you're young and everything's going to be okay somehow because your mom is on it. Mm-hmm. And so the the Cosby show, I, for years, I'm telling you years, Aldo, for years, I wanted to believe somehow, some way this man was innocent. 
I wanted to believe he was innocent. I wanted to believe there's in my head. I thought, and this is before watching the documentary mm -hmm. and I know Tooch needs to talk to so I'll wrap it up. But I was, I was thinking there's got, why would he have to do these things? Because he's Bill Cosby, man. Even if he wanted to cheat, there's, you know, why was Hugh Hefner getting fucking head from 18 year olds when he was 90? Because mm -hmm. he's Hugh fucking Hefner and he's got money. Bill Cosby, the one of the most famous faces in the fucking world, circa 1988, doesn't need to to give women drugs and to and to date rape them. Why would he have to do? I just thought there's got to be a way this isn't true. But when I watch this documentary and I see that he's doing the Spanish Fly bit in the 60s, okay, maybe it's a joke. But 30 years later, he's telling Larry King live on TV how to administer it. It's, it, it hurt. It hurt. Like, this is real. It really happened. And I didn't want to believe it. And when I saw the Larry King clip, it really shattered me. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I just felt like, oh, fuck, this shit's true. Yeah. This shit is true. And then when you hear all the women with similar experiences with, I mean, every one of them said basically, he'd be like, you know, hey, let's, you know, well, you should audition for this part on my show. And how will you relax? Well, let me give you this. This this will help you relax so you can do a, a better and easier audition. And it'll help you. And then, like, as soon as they wake up, he's like, oh, you got to get the fuck out of my house. You know, it's just, man, it was horrible. It was horrible. I hate, I hate that I feel like it's true now, but I do feel like it's true. And I, don't, I think it's so unnecessary. He didn't have to do these things. And he was everything. He was America's dad. He let us all down. He let himself down. And, and I just, I hate it, man. Mm -hmm. Tooch. Yeah, I think Kamal Bell would agree with Dan. You know, I mean, there was a point in time, I think it was the fourth, the last episode where he said he wanted to quit making this documentary. You know, he got so uh, upset by, you know, ma just making it and bringing everything out, you know, and stuff that he wanted to quit making it. But uh, it was uh, so much talent. I mean, Bill Cosby was doing stand-up when TV was still black and white. It broke so many barriers. I, I was amazed when I was a little kid. I just watched the Fat Albert show. Like he did all the voices too. It's like every, all the voices of all the Cosby kids <laughs> were all Bill Cosby. You know whether it was Mushmouth or Fat Albert, I mean, you know, I mean, Rudy. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I uh, uh, was a, 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 a you know a comedic genius. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Father Huxtable was, you know, role model for any family, no matter what color your skin was. And underneath all of that is the mystery, the theme, the why, you know, of how come he had to do this, you know, to he had millions of dollars, you know, uh, loads of talent and. Loads of cum to share, too, apparently. <laughs> Loads of cum. Yeah. You know, I mean, he couldn't just get women. Where's Debbie the cum lady when we needed him and uh, needed her in 87? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm yeah, joking. I, I'm trying to make it lighter. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. He, he was, uh, he had a, a, a fetish that drove him to do, mm -hmm. you know, these horrible things that he couldn't control a demon, sex demon. Right. You know, that uh, did he you, had. Did you all had, see the uh, Supreme Court. Uh, he's free. The Supreme Court yeah. rejected 
the appeal, they're not going to hear the case. So he's unequivocally free. Yeah. What's and in it? one regard, I feel like that's that's great. But in another regard, I know it's not because mm-hmm. I did feel bad seeing him at 85 or whatever hooked up. It's just so unfortunate. And I'm stepping on to it. I'm sorry. I'm passionate about no, it. Right. I, I was done. I really cared about Bill Cosby. I did. I know that sounds cheesy or disingenuous, but I, I did, man. And I wanted him. I just wanted him to. He reminds me of an era the way a lot of Republicans will like yearn for like the Eisenhower days of like the fifties for you can, we could argue about why they think that, but they do, they think about small town, 1950s America, but I grew up in the eighties and nineties and he, his show was uh, in that era when you're a kid and you don't know how tough it is for your parents. And you know, you just, you just know everything's going to be okay. And it's just a false sense of security and, and ignorance you know, because you don't know what the world is yet. So he reminds me of a time where things are better. When, when we're not arguing over if who stole the fucking election and was it rigged and all these things. It, it didn't, you know, people were united a lot back then. Yeah, I mean, to a degree. I mean, it, it, there was still a lot of racism back then, even if Bill Cosby was had a hit TV show and was helping to educate people about the black people in America, there was still a lot of racism. Let's remember this was the time of Ronald Reagan and uh, Ronald Reagan was against Martin Luther King having his own day. He didn't want to sign that bill, but he had to because he knew it was going to be overruled in Congress. Uh, I don't like Reagan, but I'm just saying, but Democrats didn't call Reagan, didn't act like Reagan. uh, You know, you didn't have let's go Brandon. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, when Reagan was president, you know, it's just now it's your team and my team. Hell, you got people on Fox News cheering Putin. Yeah, right. And I, that's no bullshit. That's not hearsay. The first week that happened, I was listening to Tucker just to hear what the other side was saying. And if Tucker Carlson tries to say that he wasn't saying that shit, he's a fucking liar. Now, I heard he and Laura Ingram, but I'm not trying to make it political. But my point is back then, as Amer- like the Super Bowl, we talked about a few weeks ago. When Super Bowl 25 happened, we had just gone to the Gulf War, and you got everybody in unison saying, USA, USA, we weren't so divided. Like, we didn't hate other Americans. And, of course, they're always bigots. I, I got to interject because Bush go, had a 91% <laughs> approval rating at one point. Let's Would go, anybody, Brandon. There's, no, there's nothing compared to Trump as a Nazi and racist and all that stuff. So it, it goes both ways, Dan. It's a two-way street. I'm no. sorry, I, I missed what you said. I apologize. I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah. Say it again. You're, you're saying that people people called President Biden, you know, the "Let's Go Brandon" thing, but people were calling Trump a Nazi and a oh, racist. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. So, I mean, I'm it, it goes both ways. The, the country is divided tribally, and it's that's bad for a country. I agree with you. That was my point. Yeah. Super Bowl of 25 when Bush was president, the approval rating he had was 95, 91 percent. I was just saying that the Cosby era. For me, it was an era. What I'm saying is, you think I could remember warmly, in the sense that we we weren't so divided, and there right. was we no, are very divided. But what, and maybe that call, was a false sense of security on my part. But I, Bill Cosby, to me represents an era where things were better, and for me, they're never going to be that better because I'm an adult now. They're never going to be that way. But he represents that era in my mind of when things were good. When, when yes. you were you're young and 
you know, so uh, that's what I'm saying is it, it really, it hurts me and, and, and maybe selfishly because maybe I should be saying it hurts me because of these victims. So I don't mean to take away from the victims and their stories. I'm just saying for me personally, I really wanted this man to be who I thought he was. And it has nothing to do with the reasons that other people look to him. And I'm not saying their reasons weren't valid for the things that he was doing, you know, for African-American schools and, and for like breaking, you know, the mold that black people had to be poor and in the ghetto, like you said earlier with good times or the Jeffersons or moving on up. Like this guy was wealthy and he's living in a nice place and all this stuff that I didn't understand at the time, what kind of show, what, what it was the aberration of it, you know, to, to say that these, this could happen for black people too. I didn't look at it like that. I just looked at it as, cause I didn't know any better. So you see what I'm saying, Aldo? I, yeah. I feel like I'm going around in circles, but no, I understand what you're saying. Um, okay. It just, he represents a bygone era to me and I wanted him to be who I thought he was. And it just, man, it kind of hurts <clears throat> that he wasn't. And the one thing I will say about him that I kind of come across as maybe old man Cosby on mm -hmm. watching that fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, reboot. I got so tired of hearing the dude playing Will, which I guess is Will Smith's kid say, I, 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 every three seconds. Like I felt like Cosby, like almost wanted to tell him to pull up his pants, even though I didn't just because I felt like old man Cosby <laughs> hearing him say, I constantly, I can't right. stand. Although, like, why, why do you think uh, Cosby had to do what he did? What do you, what mean? Do you mean? The drugs with the yeah. women or you mean yeah. the, the grammar stuff? No, the, I'm on his the, side uh, of the grammar thing. Like I can't stand yeah. glorifying improper English, but I but you mean I don't. I, I'm I talking about why, why, did, why did he have this dark side? I don't know. I guess he's conflicted, and I'm not trying to like, yeah, you know, try to defend him here. He's a deeply flawed human being, I guess. But I still think that two things can be true at the same time. Cosby can genuinely care about helping people with their educations and donating this money while at the same time being a piece of shit behind closed doors. I don't think that he was giving money because that was intimated on the broadcast from some, but maybe that's what predators do to try to keep people off of their trail is to do good things. And may, that's, that's an arguable point, but I honestly think he did care about people. He was trying to make a difference but he also was doing this other shit on the side, which is horrible. So I think both things can be present at the same time. I mean, you know what I mean? I just think it's not everything was to cover up his, his horrible deeds. Cause I think that's part of the narcissist in him. He doesn't feel those deeds are horrible. He feels it's part of the game and he's famous. He can, there's a certain entitlement that if you're, you're of, of this money and this wealth and you worked your way up, that you you deserve these kind of things. Like when Mel Gibson a few years ago was going off on that rant and on this recording saying he, he deserves this woman to suck his dick. Like he's earned it. And he's yelling at this woman like he, she should suck his dick because God damn it, he's Mel Gibson. And I think some of that is in Cosby too. So I do think he was donating money to help African-American students because he cared. But he had this other thing going too. And it's just, He's the one that's got to, to live with it. I want to address uh, something that's happening in the chat. A lot of people are, are talking about, you know, why why is the whole Cosby thing about race? 
and I and I'd like to say, yeah. you know, when I was a kid. Um, I I I grew up in New York for the first seven eight years. Had a lot of interaction with black kids, you know, in kindergarten and first grade and so forth. Never had any problems, you know, just occasional uh, stuff. Didn't really witness uh, racism. It was in Spanish Harlem where I grew up. But when I came to Chicago, uh, one of the things, like the, the second week that I was here, I witnessed an act of racism by kids uh, that really, really struck me. We were we were playing on the street, uh, racing against each other to see who was the best. And after I ran my race, I I I started to walk back down the sidewalk, and there was this African American girl where two white kids, two white boys, were making fun of the nine year old, eight year old uh, African American girl, and they were making fun of her skin color. And you know, you're black, you're blah, blah. you know, they were saying all sorts of awful, awful things. And that poor little girl was crying her eyes out. And I will never forget the awful feeling that I had. First of all, that I didn't step in and tell those kids to go fuck themselves and, and so forth. But secondly, that this is what this little girl and millions of little girls and boys ha have gone through, not only during that time, which was, what year was that? That was probably 1968. But for years before that, decades before that, so when we talk about Bill Cosby and we talk about his race and we talk about the impact that he made as a black man on TV because he was showing a different side and educating people about black people and that they're not creatures and that they shouldn't be made fun of and that they deserve all of our respect and that they're smart and wealthy and can do anything that you, a white person or any other person of color can be. That's important. It's important to talk about. You can call yeah. it critical race theory. You can call it whatever the fuck you want, but it's important to not forget what the fuck has happened in this country with people of color? So when I see people in the chat room saying, ah, oh, no, no, it shouldn't be about race. It, it will always be about race until there's fucking equality. There's always, well, me, it's always going to be that now, though, Please don't think that I was, I agree with you. Please don't think I was just telling you the way I viewed it as a kid. Please no, don't no, think that I, I was dismissing that. I wasn't even that. thinking about you, Dan. Yeah, no, no, no. I just wanted you to know I agree with you on the topic. I so, I wasn't trying to dismiss that aspect at all. I was just telling you how I saw it under the lens of a of a kid. That's all. Mm -hmm. And I agree with Cliff that it's not about race in terms of the crime that he committed. It's about Cosby being a piece of shit. But when we're talking about Bill Cosby, and if you see this documentary, you will see the point of view. It's all black people who are talking about it, unless uh, uh, one of the victims was white, because there were, most of his victims were white. But everybody else is talking about how damaging it was for their hero. Just like Dan has talked about and, and Tooch has talked about their hero, Bill Cosby. But for black people, it's their hero because it was the first time. This was the Jackie Robinson. One of the few. Yeah, one yeah. of the first, one of the few. This is, this is big. I'll, I'll never forget when Barack Obama um, won his first, first presidency. One of my very, very good friends. Oh, like, I cried, man. 
Yeah, you cried, and a lot of us yeah, cried. So my, my my really good friend says, you know, the only thing that I didn't like is they kept showing, you know, at, at the Grand Park rally, they just kept showing all the black people. There were white people there, too. Why didn't they show the black people? And I didn't say anything, but I thought about it afterwards. He was missing the point. This was the first time these black people were crying and happy because it was a finally we had a black president in the White House, and that was unthinkable. I mean, yeah. two years before that, I was talking to someone, an in-law of me, and he said, I don't know who's going to win the presidency, but it's not going to be a woman, and it's, and it's going to be a white man. That's what he said to me. And I thought in my mind, well, that sounds racist and sexist. You know, but that he was so sure that there is no way in this country that we would elect a woman or a black man to be. And so it, it's out there. It's out there. And so a lot of people are saying in the chat room, I'm colorblind. I was raised to be colorblind and so forth. Fine. Me too, man. Exactly. And that's fine. That's wonderful. But, but everything you're saying is still true, though. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it wasn't my experiences. Like, like you said, like you saw Sylvester on earlier, man, like. He and I, I, mean, I wasn't bullshitting earlier. We didn't have problems like that because there was, it was, it was almost equal with the amount of black people and white people. But I didn't see that prejudice until high school when we got our school, like got, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they put a bunch of schools together, consolidated, mm -hmm. they consolidated the schools and we had to go to the schools with the rednecks. And then that's when I would see, and I overwhelmingly, and I'm not pandering when I say this overwhelmingly any racial, I shouldn't say any, overwhelmingly rate the racial tension I'd saw, I would pulling a figure on my ass, but I believe it to be true. At least 85 to 90% of it was created by white people. Mm -hmm. I do believe that I'm not trying to say that white people are even, I'm fucking white, but I can also say that that's the experiences I had, that it was the white people with the rebel flags and all that shit and saying N word. And, you know, I didn't see any of that in my youth until I got to high school, but that that's true, man. And mm -hmm. I believe what you're saying about the Cosby thing too. I just didn't see it under that lens at the time. Unfortunately, it would be like, as we know now, historically, if all the stuff that Dr. King, you know, the extramarital marital affairs, like he was no different than JFK or Robert Kennedy, all these people of his time that cheated on his wife, but the FBI, as we know now, like Hoover and them wanted to use this shit against him and, and to discredit him. They were so worried about his movement of peace, no less, um, and equality. But the, yeah, it would have been like if, if they'd have come out and, and smeared King as this adulterer and, and, and tore him down. Thankfully, that stuff didn't come out in his lifetime, mm. is what I'm saying. All right, that, well, that was the running undercurrent of this one, you know, was like maybe they were trying to take down Cosby, you know, because he was such an influential and positive role model at the time. But, you know, as it turned out, it was, you know, too many women coming forward, you know, with uh, accusations. But there was that initial, you know, period of, you know, they were assassinating a character because he was black, you know, and he was a prominent and, you know, great. The, the father figure on the Cosby show was, you know, an ideal dad. It was, you, you loved that he brought that into families of all colors, you know? Uh, but yeah. yeah and it, it just felt like at the time viewing it as a kid, like I felt like I could have been one of his kids. And then when you yeah. see it that later, even though I'm not a parent, you can still see like his frustration and how he deals with the kids and, you know, laugh and say like when he would tell them they're going to, he's going to kill them or whatever, you know, he's not going to. But 
just the way he disciplined kids and stuff. It's just the whole thing, man. You want him to be that guy so badly. Yep. I'm and, with you. And man. it's, it's hard to separate who you want him to be with who he is. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I got a Bill Cosby story. Um, when I was in high school, uh, Roberto Clemente High School and the west side of Chicago, nor- near northwest side, um, I was in their radio television program, and that's where I hung out, you know, uh, in between classes, blah, blah, blah. That's where I hung out. And so one kid comes in and says, hey, they're shooting a movie down the street uh, with Bill Cosby and Sidney Poitier. We saw them outside. And so I took the uh, black and white video cam, and I went out there to get some shots of Bill Cosby. And I get there. Me and my buddy get there, and uh, there's Bill Cosby surrounded by a bunch of Hispanic and black kids. He's signing autographs, all good. I pull up my camera to my viewfinder. I focus on Bill, and he's signing. And then a black kid comes to my right, and he starts going, Libby, 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 on the label, label, label. You will like it, like it, like it. On the... Because that was one of the commercials that Bill Cosby did at the time. And yeah. he kept saying it incessantly. And Bill Cosby looks up and says, Okay, stop it now. Really, like really fucking mean and like a like a dad, you know, like not like <laughs> not like Dr. Cliff Huxtable dad, but like my dad, you know. <laughs> and so the kid stopped and, and and walked away. And so that was my my Bill Cosby story. <laughs> not much, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, you still were beside him, man. That's cool. That's a, was very was cool. it C- CBS where you worked all the? Uh, no, I was uh, uh, oh yeah, I, I worked at CBS WBBM TV here for CBS. seven years. So, yeah. Were you there for all those, you know, Walter Jacobson and Bill Curtis years? Oh yeah, those were the, those were the best years of news for yeah, yeah for Chicago. Bill Curtis opinion. had a great voice, man. Yeah, oh, Bill, yeah. Bill Curtis. Yeah, Dan, you don't know, but Bill Curtis was the like the, the you know Bill Curtis, you know the serious news voice and so forth, yeah. and his. Co-anchor was Walter Jacobson, Walter Jacobson, who was nicknamed Skippy, and he was the hard-hitting guy who was, who would do comedy. Come on, stuff. mayor! Yeah, going after City Hall and stuff. They were they were a great Come pairing. On, and then the sportscaster was Johnny Morris, the former Chicago yeah. Bear, great. And then at the weather, John Coughlin, later Harry Volkman. It was a great, great well, year. Remember when Walter Asian. dressed as a as a homeless person? Oh my <laughs> gosh, do I ever! I was working there. That was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Um, anyway, all right. Uh, we've got uh, five minutes before we lose Dan. Dan, anything else you want to bring up? Uh, and then uh, John and I will stick around and talk a little gambling. Um, well, uh, just a couple things, and I'll see how it goes off, how you want to ping pong it back to me. Okay. Two quick Im- impressions. Like I said, the Fresh Prince reboot, the ladies I work with were wanting to watch it. So I probably watched four or five episodes. And it is a drama. There is no comedy in this at all. Mm. They've got Carlton addicted to drugs. Oh he God. and Will are constantly fighting and saying fuck you to each other. And it's <laughs> just, again, I I've had the Fresh Prince in my head is maybe if I were younger now, it wouldn't matter so much because, but it, it just reminds you of when you're a kid, at least for me, I know you weren't a kid in 1991 like I was when the show started. But once more, it's like, damn, what's next? Bring back Alf and he's addicted to fucking opiates. And we talked about that in, in text one day, like <laughs> all the spinoffs that we would do. Yeah, that's right. We, we had a blast that night coming up with our yeah, own ideas. But it, it kind of hurts, man, watching the show just be, it's just not the same show, you know, because the other one has a soft place in my heart. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, and I want to hear your comments, the super pumped, uh, the, the Uber show. I don't dislike it. And I find it fascinating and to a certain extent because I don't know the story 
at all about how it started and all the obstacles that they've had to overcome. But like I was telling you, I like it. Let me just say that again. I like it, but I find the show both weeks. I was like, man, is it almost over? And it was a half hour in both times. Cause it's an hour show halfway through. I was ready to, for it to be over. Cause I just got tired of hearing Gordon Levitt give these same fucking speeches over and over. I felt like I was in a class when you got a boring teacher. Yeah, it's the second episode, and you've seen enough of uh, Jordan uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character giving these uh, motivational speeches, but that was a big part of his character, and so I'm hoping as we move into uh, 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 episode three that they lessen on that. They're just trying to develop his character. By the way, I wanted to just let you know, Dan, that somebody in the chat room, I think it was PJ, saying that the kid that plays Will Smith in the new Buddha. Is it his real son? It's not his real son. And then, oh, it's not. Okay. Yeah, it's a kid named Jabari Banks, uh, 23 year old, first television acting role. So it's not Will Smith's son. But I, I, okay. had, I had heard that it Will was. Will Smith's son was the new karate kid, I thought, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and, I knew the, that. Yeah. I didn't watch it, but yeah. Yeah. It wasn't right, too right. bad. The kid was good. You know, a show that I actually like, and it's cornball as hell. I'm not going to lie to you. It's bad, but for some reason, I enjoy it. Is that Karate Kid spinoff show Cobra Kai? Oh yeah, I don't know why I like it. I I, I think it's pure nostalgia because again, yep, yep. I saw the Karate Kid when I was like four, so to see the same actors all these years later, it's purely nostalgia. But the show <laughs> so implausible, and if I didn't have a nostalgia feel to it, I'm sure I would hate it. But I enjoy it. It's a guilty pleasure. It's speculative fiction, you know, like what what would happen to these guys years later, you know, <laughs> right? Yep, exactly. Hey, by the way, Dan, before you go, can you want to share anything about your sex life? Oh, yeah. yeah. I haven't had any uh, in a bit, so uh, nothing to share. Oh, uh, come I, on. I that's not what I heard. Uh, no, that's true. But look, I got I do have a non-sex story for you. Uh, can, can we sell you on a colonoscopy? Oh, God. <laughs> so, like, Sunday I was going to go watch that movie I've been wanting to see. Yeah, uh, tell the us cursed. that story, yes. So I went to go see The Cursed finally, and I go, and they tell me there's something wrong with the auditorium. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. It won't be playing. the. It's like, I was like, well, why don't they have like on Sundays, they show like old movies and stuff too, like a good gimmick. So they had uh, Casablanca playing and, you know, it's like you've got the Batman in like six theaters. You can't put my movie in one of those. No, they won't be playing the rest of the night. God damn it. That sucks. So. Yeah, so I went and watched that Death on the Nile just because I was already there, and it was PG-13, and I had like 0.0 expectations for it, thinking it was going to be horrible, and it was okay. It wasn't great, but I didn't think it, it sucked, I and I came really close because they showed the preview of the movie you told me you wanted to see with the little guy from uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, Cyrano. Yeah, I really paid attention to it because you told me you wanted to see it. And it, it showed up today on DirecTV pay-per-view mm -hmm. uh, on video on demand. So I, almost, I was thinking about dropping the $20 to just watch it no. before it hits the theater. But when I was looking at the info, like you just see like how much it's going to be, what time it starts, that kind of shit. It said drama slash musical. And I was like, oh, fuck it. If it's a musical, I'm out. One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I, it, probably in the top five was that fucking movie where Tom Cruise is an 80s singer uh, called Rock of Ages, and it's a musical. Oh, I never saw that. 
Oh God, don't watch it. It is so like it's, <laughs> I had no plans to. <laughs> I don't understand musicals at all. Like it'll just be some mundane thing. Like, well, I drop my keys, and then someone will say, "I drop my keys," and they turn it turns into a song. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Why are you singing about mundane things? I don't. Musicals aren't for me. Uh, by the way, I saw West Side Story, Steven Spielberg's uh, take on it. I fell asleep about uh, forty-five minutes in, and then woke up uh, with about twenty minutes left. I loved what I saw about it. Uh, he's just a masterful filmmaker, the way he moves the camera and so forth, so forth. I thought some of the songs should have been updated. I think all of the songs are basically the same old Stephen Sondheim songs. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you've got a date and she wants to watch uh, West Side Story, you won't be totally bored if you have to go that way. And by the way, Bear Truth 9 wants to ask, uh, wait a minute. Oh, I saw it too, and it wasn't his best performance. Is Stephen Nagishi on a pillow? Yeah, he is. He, he took that that uh, selfie while he was laying down and uh, and thinking about beautiful women. I think Stephen, you look very comfortable. <laughs> comfortable and sexy. <laughs> uh, Bear Truth Nine wants me to ask you: Is a Ralph Macchio ten times more irritating than you remembered? I feel like he gives a speech to everything and everyone on Cobra Kai. What do you think, Dad? Yeah, I find myself completely rooting for the character of Johnny Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they they in a lot of ways they make him like the good guy, yeah. and it's, which is kind of cool about it. But I, I after I watched the Karate Kid as an adult, I saw a lot of it. Now they picked on Daniel early, but a lot of stuff he was the instigator, and a lot of and the, and he stole the guy's girl. So in a lot of ways, he's the asshole in the Karate Kid, and it's just portrayed the way they wanted to portray it. But he did a lot of dickish things. But I agree with him. Ralph Macchio is a bit uh, annoying in, in the Cobra Kai. And the, the main hook that is for me is the guy that looks like Tom Waddle that's playing uh, Johnny Lawrence. I, I wanted to point out one quick thing for you, Otto, before I go. Sure. Um, I was watching a few months ago. You know the uh, – uh, fuck, uh, what's his name? Uh, did the Twilight Zone. He smoked the cigarettes. Uh, Rod Serling. Yeah, Rod Serling. I was watching his second show. Uh, Night, Night, Night Gallery. Gallery. Yeah. yeah, that was great. And Steven Spielberg directed a lot of those episodes he on did. Night Gallery where you brought him up for West Side Story. He was in the pilot. I would say in the first season, he directed like five episodes. Yep. He was the uh, he was the hot shot. The studio signed him and gave him a bunch of TV episodes to direct. And then uh, he broke through, I think, his first TV movie. Maybe it was his only one was called Duel. And if you haven't yeah. seen that, you really should. It's a story about a truck that is that is tracking down, chasing a guy driving, played by Dennis Weaver, uh, yep. uh, actor from yeah, Gunsmoke, and uh, and it's just brilliantly done. You can just tell that this filmmaker he knows what the fuck is he's doing. This is just really well filmed, especially for a TV movie. And then he went on to do Sugarland Express, and then the rest is history after he did Jaws. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Aldo, did Dan watch Nightcrawler? You still haven't seen Nightcrawler, right? Uh, yeah, I couldn't find it on there. It is. Is on. it still there? I didn't see it. It's on Netflix. I think I saw it last week. I thought it, we said it was on Prime last week. Yeah, it must have been Prime then. That, that's where it is. Yeah. But I'll, yeah. I'll look for it again. Um, and uh, anything else, Dan, before you uh, vamoosh and start saving lives? Uh, I need to go, but uh, I just want to say as a recap here that I had really a lot of fun on the show. And, uh, you know, like I said, I hope that none of my comments seem to be insensitive or 
or alienating toward anyone. I'm not trying to sound soft and disingenuous now, but I didn't mean to like start talking politics or, you know, know, what I was saying about Cosby, like all that was from the heart. It wasn't to demean or anything. So I hope no one took me that way. You know, nobody did. We're getting kudos. Uh, Cliff Victoria says credit to you guys for taking a tough topic head on. And thank you, Cliff, for that. It is, you know, I get emotional sometimes when I talk about it, maybe too emotional. It's that Latin blood in me. <laughs> so, anyways, Dan, uh, go. Save some lives. Uh, Dan, as you, if you don't who's, know, say who's Dan's top, uh, top free agent wide receiver for Dan Aguirre before he goes? I would go with Schuster. I've seen so much from him, like being just a guy that goes deep and, and scores, man. Roethlisberger was throwing the ball to him a lot in the, you know, before, like, I know last year he was hurt. You know, the three or four years before that, that guy was explosive. And so that's kind of what we need, some electricity. You know, what we – Cohen brought that his, like, first year. Mm-hmm. Just that uh, – that uh, the Devin Hester kind of thing where, oh, yeah. holy shit, he could score from any place on the field mm-hmm. if he receives this punt, you know, or this kick. And that's kind of what we were missing the last few years uh, other than Cordero Patterson. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever he would return a kick, you think, oh, shit, he might take it back. And maybe Jakeem Grant a little bit toward the middle to late stages of last season after that trade. But the Bears need some players like that that can, to use a a cliche, to hit a home run that can score, like, from, you know, from anywhere. And we kind of are missing those playmakers. So I hope that we get somebody like that. And, uh, you know, go Bears, man. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. There you go. Uh, Take care, Dan. Drive safely, man. All right, night, you are. Love you guys. All right, Love you um, Mr. Dan Aguirre, and uh, excuse me, that was Dan Aguirre leaving, and James, uh, James, what the fuck am I saying? John Santucci, and Aldo will be uh, talking a little bit more. Hey, what yeah. I want to do is uh, just take a quick bathroom break, and so we'll, yeah. uh, I got a little quick uh, break here, uh, a little commercial I want to share with people. This well, I got was time uh, to go to the bathroom too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go do go go to the bathroom, and I'll uh, I'll tell people what they're going to. Bladder hasn't been the same since that hernia <laughs> surgery. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. My bladder is like, what the fuck is going on? Gotta pee every ten minutes here. <laughs> All right, you go ahead, and um, um, I will uh, play this, and we will be back in about uh, 60, 90 seconds or so. So, uh, talk to you in a, in a while. Ellis Hall, since I came here, has been expanded twice. Both times after we were gone, by the way. So <laughs> we never we never got it. But I mean, it was tiny. Do do you think that uh, Olin Krutz would politely ask you to leave the weight room because it was so crowded? <laughs> you, of I told you what Olin. I told you what Olin used to say to me. I know that's why I'm asking. <laughs> no, and and that was at five o'clock when there's you know. There's no players around. Gabriel, <laughs> oh, get the fuck out of my weight room. Oh, and I go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I got a commercial. <laughs> that is the great Greg Gabriel. I- Really, really enjoy doing that show with him. Um, learning so much about the game of football and the mechanics of uh, working in the scouting department and and stuff that could potentially be going on at Hallis Hall because Greg knows he was there for nine years as the uh, director of college scouting 
for the Bears and uh, a total of over 30 years of NFL experience. He's worked with the XFL. He just knows his stuff. And uh, so if you want to uh, follow Gabriel Talks on Football, you should subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll give you alerts when we go live. That way you can interact or um, just um, um, you can catch it on, on demand. So Greg Gabriel Talks Football. It's one of our many football shows here at the Barroom Network. All right. See what's going on here. Um, Jordan says, I love hearing his perspective and uh, really appreciate it, Jordan. When you come on, you ask some great questions. We get a lot of people who um, ask great questions on these shows that we have. The interaction is so cool. Um, Jordan says he really loves Greg Gabriel. Um, bullshit, says Hugh Evans. I'm not sure why he's saying bullshit, too. But <laughs> Uh, James Foster says he's seen it wasn't me. <laughs> he's probably saying bullshit. Oh, there's no way you could have taken a piss that fast. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I wanted to get a cold drink. Um, and uh, let's see. We got Cliff saying, "Wish I could uh, link the mat." Right. He's uh, uh, he's he's hot for a punter, Cliff. Oh, that's right. I that guy is is, is is O'Connell uh, O'Donnell. Uh, one-year contract, so he is a free agent. Uh, free agent. I'm pretty sure because he always signs one-year contracts. Yeah, it's but pretty this, expensive too, isn't he, O'Donnell? Yeah, uh, I think he's he his last contract was a little over two million. So you know he's a veteran, and and so yeah, every year it goes up a little bit. But uh, that Matt uh, Arizaria guy, boy, he looks like a stud punter, man. You can, and you know, a team like Chicago playing at Soldier Field, you need a reliable punter. I will say this about O'Donnell you know, his first three years in the league, he was not always Mr. Consistency, but his consistency has really gotten better in the last two seasons, in my view. Yeah. Um, so I don't really think that there's a need to change punters, but if you can get a Matt Arizaria and you can get him a little cheaper than O'Donnell, then why not? Let's yeah, do it. We're not talking about O'Donnell a lot, and that's good because if we're talking about him, it's usually he's done something bad. You know, if we're talking about him, if we're talking about a punter all the time, you know, it's not good. So, I mean, how often do you say, "Oh, O'Donnell sucked today"? You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, once in a while, have a bad punt, but for the most part, like you said, he's consistent. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, if they don't draft the the guy that Cliff's talking about, uh, they'll have they'll probably have no choice but to bring back O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the other thing is it's a good punt returner. Although I understand that the NFL uh, rules uh, uh, committee is doing a study right now to see the amount of injuries that have happened the last two seasons on, on punt returns, because if it is significant, there may be more rule changes on the way. I truly believe, I think Tooch, you and I may have talked about this a year or two ago that, uh, special teams might be abolished by by some time. There might be rule changes coming where you might ever, never see a punt again. And, you know, I, I'd hate to see that because it's yeah. so, so ingrained into, into football. And you got, you know, Devin Hester and so many great players who have uh, given us thrills with punt returns. But if it is true that uh, because of the high collision uh, collisions, high speed collisions that are happening in special teams, they might have to do away, away with it. Yeah. So I would hate to see that. Yeah, we have talked about that before a couple of years back, I think. Mm -hmm. About all the, the high collisions, high speed collisions on special teams, kickoff and punts. Right. 
Mo Beerman is asking me if any development on our new show idea, Bears Talk. Yeah, it's actually uh, bullshitting. I think that's the show, bullshitting Bears. It's called Bears Shitting. Exactly. You can call it whatever you want, but it's basically uh, a show that I've been trying to launch and have some guests on, and not only prominent names, but also people from the barroom community, barflies, to come in and, and talk. So it's, it's something that I'm working on, and probably after the draft, uh, we'll have some more news on that. And uh, we'd love Mo and other people in the chat room to stop in and be a part of the show. Jordan, uh, PJ, uh, be great to see you guys face-to-face -face and, and interact with you on video. Um, Tooch, what's been going on in your life, man? How's the, how's the job going? Uh, job's different, you know. I mean, I'm still uh, uh, dreading going back to the office because I love working from home, you know. Uh, it's just so much better working from home. Oh, man. I, 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 I Especially a, a guy that does what you do for a living where you're in front yeah. of your computer. Yep. You don't necessarily need, you know, somebody over your shoulder to – that's Point the only reason back. I can see why they would want me back there. Yeah, but you can Make do sure that. Make sure I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you can do that virtually too. I mean, yeah. and as I think you and I talked about this after the show last week uh, when you brought that topic up. There's so many companies now that are heading to a model where as long as you meet the requirements of the job, they say they want something done by X o'clock, and as long as it's done – then you can do it. You yeah. can do whatever you want. You can do laundry. You can jerk yep. off. You can do whatever. Just meet the requirements of the job. And yeah, so there's, there's times when I am working late, you know, on a magazine, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, I don't want to be downtown, you know, fucking then driving home at 11 at night. You know, I'd rather be here, you know, where I can stop five, 10 minutes, you know, change yeah. a diaper or do some dishes or launch, throw in a load of laundry, yep. you know, or make myself a meal. I'm using my own bathroom. You know, I don't have to worry about any odors mm -hmm. in the bathroom. Yeah. So. And, and, you know, th that's the thing, too, is that a, for a long time, people thought, well, this is something that just women want, you know, because they have so many household responsibilities. They want to work from home so they can do two things at once. No, us guys, <laughs> John's got to change yeah. diapers. I got to do laundry. Yeah. We all got to do household, you know, think yeah. times have changed. <laughs> yeah. Red Truth 9 has a movie question. For me, Departed, I, I love the, the story that, you know, the just the, it was so intense. You know, and both movies are intense, but man, the, the, the yeah. Departed had the, had the whole twist, you know, at the end and everything, you know. Mm -hmm. but, now, uh, I, had, I had seen the Japanese version, so there were a lot of plot elements that I was kind of expecting uh, with The Departed. I love The Departed. I'm a huge Martin Scorsese fan. Yeah. Our training Day was directed by, I think his name is Antoine, Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. Holy cow, man. That, that really was great, too. Grabbed me by the nuts. And it was, yeah. you know, there's this uh, paranoia that the Ethan Hawke character goes sure, through sure. As, as the day going his training day goes on and on uh, and it is it, it just really uh uh put me in his spot you know what would i do if i was him and and denzel washington yeah. played such a great villain i think a lot of times when people are talking about great villains in movie history they yeah. overlook denzel's role in training day but yeah it, it's hard to pick a, uh, which one is the better movie because both are, are very very well done yeah it's hard to pick yep. yeah Exactly. Oh, Mo Bearman has a suggestion for you. 
He says, ask for a gas raise, <laughs> which is true. I, you know, I, so I, I'm with Mo. I mean, look, <laughs> if companies were smart, you know, they don't need these big office buildings. You know, get the get the uh, mm -hmm. get the the employee to pay for the their own internet, their own toilet paper, you know, uh, their own electricity. You know, mm -hmm. uh, get rid of these buildings with these huge carbon footprints. You know belching exhaust into the environment you know people less people on the road less people using gas you know there's so many savings you know less less risk of getting in a car accident on the way to work you're not in an office building with 1500 people uh waiting to breathe in the next virus you know I all great points absolutely great points you're absolutely right i mean and I think that you're starting to see more. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if the word's progressive, but but companies that you know like to introduce innovation. I think you see more and more companies do that, where they're saying, "Okay, we can knock down real estate costs and all those yeah. other expenses." I know, like my wife, um, she works for a major pharmaceutical company, and she, she now works from home the entire time. And when they announced that she would be working home from home, and all the other employees. Uh, they gave them a raise to pay for the expenses that they would incur, you know, paper costs from the, from the printing stuff out, the electricity for running their computer, et cetera, et cetera. So she got a small stipend, I, I, I would say. And um, uh, so that's good. And I think, you know, more and more companies should do that. Bear Truth Night has another movie question. Uh, who uses music better in their movies Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino? Man, that's a tough question. They're both excellent. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, I, I'll give the edge to Tarantino here, um, you know, only because, you know, even, you know, all of his early stuff, there was just such a yeah. fantastic use of music and pop music and and pop tunes that have long been forgotten and he yeah, revived them i remember uh, buying a cd i probably still have it somewhere where he introduced each song from movies and he talked about why he used them and so forth and it was funny one of the comments from that cd that always stuck with me was he said that he would never use music that had been popularized by another movie because he said you know and, and I forgot what song he referred to. That song refer is belongs to that movie, and yeah. I will never use it for one of my movies. And then years ago, he did the same thing. <laughs> and I, I can't remember what what song it was, but I agree with with him on on that point that yeah. he, he shouldn't. But uh, he he broke his own rule a couple of times. But I think he does a little bit better job than Scorsese. But Scorsese, you know, who can forget that moment in Goodfellas? Yeah. <laughs> with uh, uh, what's that music from? Layla. Uh, Lay Layla. Who could forget? I mean, that's brilliant. That's fucking yeah. brilliant. And apparently, he had that song already in mind when he filmed that scene, which is probably why it was married so well together. Good stuff, man. Great. DJ's going out. He's coming after me with some some of my favorite movies, man. We haven't oh. had Dan. We haven't had Dan uh, see this one yet, has he? Or. I mean, we talked uh, about it here, but yeah, I don't know if you see, but that is a great score. PJ says, I love yeah. the music on Once Upon a Time. And Probably the that. greatest film composer in history, one of them at least, Ennio Morricone, at least in my opinion. I agree with uh, you. He's one, one of the of my best. Top five. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, one of my all time favorite movies, not my favorite Western, but 
the first time we saw Henry Fonda as a villain, which yes. some movie theaters wouldn't play the movie because they didn't think they couldn't accept Henry Fonda as a villain. I didn't know that. That's, that's how fucking yeah. that's how fucked up it was. Yeah, that is you know? wild. And what a great villain too. Yes. Oh my goodness. When, he was when, horrible. <laughs> when uh, Henry Fonda and James Stewart played villains, you took notice because those yeah. guys were such beloved movie characters that when they played a villain, it's like, holy shit, this is spooky. <laughs> hey, there's another Once in Upon a Time movie, Once in Upon a Time in America, that Ennio Morricone yeah. also did also, the score also. for, which is also one of my yeah. favorite scores for a movie. It, I, yeah. I have, I think I have like two or three CD discs of it because I, I said, you know, it's going to be hard to find this in years from now. And so uh, I, I just stacked up on, on buying a couple of copies and I, I listen to it frequently and just, it's such beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. That and uh, he did Cinema Paradiso, which is another mm -hmm. great score. And uh, the, the mission, bad, the ugly. The mission, yeah, yeah. The mission too, yeah, great scores. Wow, people who love movie music, I love it, man. We attract them all here. Yep. What's next? Uh, did you guys see the Godfather epic that was out a few years ago? Dan Aguirre has been uh, begging me to check it out. I haven't seen it yet, um, but I what, hope. What, what is the Godfather epic? Is it like a re, re edit? Yeah, they yeah they took all three movies and recut them together wow. to I believe go uh, uh, time so chronologically chronologically there you go that's the word um, look at this PJ saying Chuck Bronson was all awesome harmonica that was his <laughs> name the character's name in the movie that's right yeah. <laughs> what what an actor uh, uh, what was his real name. Uh, uh, God, something Buczynski. Yeah, something Buczynski. Charles yeah. Buczynski or something. Yeah, is yeah. a, a, a Polish actor. Yeah. You would see him a lot in 50s film noir where he would play one of the criminals in kind of a supporting role. Yeah. And then uh, he did, he was in the Dirty Dozen. He was one of the bad guys in the Dirty Dozen who, who uh, dies heroically. Spoiler alert. Um, and, um, no, he doesn't die heroically. He, he survives in the last scene, scene, it's him and Lee Marvin, who are two of the survivors in the hospital together. Great, great role. And that catapulted him, catapulted him to leading roles. And in the seventies, eighties, he played the lead role in movies like the mechanic where he plays a hired killer who yeah. is grooming Jan Michael Vincent, uh, to be a hired killer. Um, he did uh, Chato's Land, I believe, where he played uh, a Native American. He did a lot of crime movies that were uh, box office hits for him. He had a nice run of movies. He, he was Joe Valachi in the Valachi yeah, papers. Yes, exactly. We had a kid yeah. growing up with us who had such a terrible acne problem that we would call him Valachi because he looked a lot like Charles Bronson, even though he was 14 <laughs> <Valachi>. years old. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan uh, says, curious, Aldo Tooch, what's your dreamy, but try to be realistic, for the free agency period for the Bears? All right. Tooch, you want to go first? Well, I, I'm kind of with Ryan Poles. I'm grabbing the second wave. So all those suggestions of Juwan Jennings gets my heart racing. Mm -hmm. uh, I also like Cedric Wilson, too. That would be a good pickup. And then you got, you know, Dar you still got Darnell Mooney. Yeah, then I'd like to see uh, uh, Braxton Berrios maybe give him a shot. He might be cheap. Get him into that little Hunter Renfro slot receiver 
role, though some people say that might be Daz Newsom. I don't know. I haven't seen enough Daz Newsom to mm-hmm. to tell you one way or the other. But uh, you know, uh, if I was gonna uh, get, uh, let's see, maybe uh, if we're looking at like free agent guards, right? Maybe I. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, Bolters? Yeah, would be nice. Bozeman would be nice. Um, he um, he was kind of, he was playing guard. I think his first two three years in the league, and yeah, then he yeah. got moved to center this past season, and uh, he's he's really become a very very good center, which is what I think he played at Alabama. If I'm if I'm correct, I interviewed him at the Senior Bowl, and I thought that he was kind of small, but uh, it's translated well. You know, it's really funny. Guys like. Uh, Who's the 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 right guard who plays for the Giants? The Hispanic surname Hernandez. Uh, Will, oh, Will, yeah. Hernandez. Will, Will Hernandez. Yeah. Yep. yeah, Will Hernandez and Bradley Bozeman. I'm standing next to these guys, and they look. You know, I'm six feet tall, and I'm looking, at, and I'm thinking to myself, I think I'm taller than this guy, but uh, they block a hell of a lot better than I do. Yeah, which Will, is why Will Hernandez is wide, though. You know, he's like yes, wide and if. Fucking mean streak on him. That was nasty. <laughs> Bradley Bozeman made $644,000 last year. He's going to be looking for a big payday. But Ryan Jensen was the top uh, mm-hmm. paid center who's a free agent, made 10, $10.5 last year playing for the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. red hair, long red hair guy uh, that was snapping the ball to Tom Brady last year. Uh, some other guys, you know. Uh, Ben Jones on Tennessee comes to mind. He's, you know, Tennessee has a pretty darn good offensive line. Probably starts mm-hmm. with him. They had good tackles as well, too. I saw people talk about Brian Allen on the Vikings. He was on the Vikings. I think he's on the Rams now. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. There is an offensive lineman uh, from the San Francisco 49ers who is an outstanding run blocker, zone outside zone run blocker, who will be a perfect fit for this uh getsy offense and i'm forgetting his a name guard or tackle he's a guard um let's see if he's on here yeah, laken tomlinson laken tomlinson there you go yeah, you got from, he's from the it. chicago area i think he's from like lake forest or something or somewhere around here yeah well Buffalo you know, Grove or something this guy's gotten high marks for his run blocking and uh his, his pass blocking is not stellar but you can work with that uh, in, uh, you know, so he's a guy that I would like the Bears to pursue. Bozeman is a guy I would like the Bears to pursue. I, yeah. You know, if you're going to spend a lot of money on anyone, then fuck, go after that left tackle, Teron Armstead. If he wants $22 million a year and you can somehow figure it out and still figure out a way to get, get you know, some quality players for positions of need, then then yes. As I said an, an hour ago on this show, number one priority is protect your quarterback. And uh, that blind side is important. I, I, I still am always going to stick to my guns and say that the guard position is as important as the left tackle. But the left tackle position, of course, is is, is so important because it's the blind side of the quarterback. Yeah. And so um, – uh, um, so spend some money there and then uh, inquire some of these second wave free agents. I'm really big on uh, Joan Jennings from San Francisco. Oh, yeah. and if, if you get guys from those types of organizations that come from successful organizations and have high powered offenses, if you're going to get a free agent, uh, wide receiver, offensive lineman, those are the guys to target. You don't want to get yeah. target a guy who might be a good individual player, but for the last several years has been playing on shitty teams. I, you know, I, I'm not sure. I, I would 
not say no to them, but I would also prefer somebody to come from a winning organization, just like when you're drafting college players. Right. There's a, a lot of people have mentioned Cam Robinson, the left tackle on the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. He was a young, highly touted prospect. Uh, he's, I mean, he made 13, oh, more than 13 million last season. So he's going to be expensive. Mm-hmm. But uh, he stepped up last season, you know, uh, after, uh, you know, maybe kind of people thinking he wasn't going to make it or be, you know, turn out as a bust. But uh, that's a name that the Bears have been linked to, maybe possibly signing for left tag. He's only 26 years old. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you're getting you, – you sign him to a long-term contract, you're probably getting his best years, you know, right here. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, there's other guys out there. Uh, a chat room mentioned uh, uh, Cam got tagged today, said Jordan. Ah! So that's uh, a news item that missed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I missed. But, uh, yeah, that's other news item. Deshaun Watson will be in court on Friday. As the grand jury uh, uh, deposes uh, eight women who have complaints against him, mm-hmm. uh, that was another news item that went out. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. uh, Jordan Silvera also mentioned Dwayne Brown on the Seahawks. As long as the Seahawks are selling, you know, right? Yeah, he's a free agent, but uh, yeah, uh, he's a, he's an older player. He's thirty six. Mm-hmm. You know, Taron Armstead you mentioned on the uh, Saints, right? Mm-hmm. He's thirty. Right. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, you know, and, uh, and we've seen uh, obviously with um, yeah. uh, uh, Jason uh, Fields, the left tackle we picked up, but Jason Peters, the left yeah, tackle Jason Peters. Up, um, that, you know, a, a good player at that position can play into their late thirties and you, you know, he's going to be 40 this year. And I bet you yeah. if someone calls him and he knows the offense, he'll, he'll probably say yes and play well. I mean, I, that was amazing what he did last year for this team. He's he a special player. He really is. He's going. He's a Hall of Famer. So the only thing yeah, he's, yeah. if he plays another season, the only thing he's delaying is uh, uh, writing his uh, Hall of Fame and, uh, acceptance speech. He won't be a target for the Chicago Bears because, again, as as polls has stated, he wants yeah. this quicker, uh, faster moving offensive lineman. And it was interesting that Olin Krutz had a concern about that on the No Name podcast with Jason McKee. Cruz wanted to know, you know, well, how much weight do you want these guys to lose? You don't want them to get overpowered, you know, and, and that is like uh, yeah. a big concern. You know, Sam Mustafer is a guy that can move fairly quickly for a guy a center position, but he gets overpowered a lot. And so you don't want five Sam Mustafers up there on the offensive line just because they can move quickly. Uh, yeah. So I And talk- that's the way they like their defense, too. They like lighter you yep. know, guys. But, you know, it, towards the end of the season, the Indianapolis defensive line got pushed around. Oh my gosh! You know, towards the end of the season, their defense wasn't as good as it was towards the you know, uh, you know. So I mean, there's arguments that cut both ways. It all depends on the athletes you have there. You know, I mean, Aaron Donald is not a big guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a bigger guy next to him. You know, right. So, what about uh, that guy at the uh, combine? The, the 340 pound lineman. Uh, oh gosh, what's his name? I I, I blew it. I should have. Search this for his name before bringing up the topic. Um, but he ran a 4.840. Uh, a D lineman, yeah, a D lineman. And talk about a guy who could potentially be that three tech defensive tackle. You know, this guy's got the size and the quickness, uh, to be that guy. The only complaint yeah. about him is he's so tall, he plays with a high pad level, and so some good coach is going to have to get that out of him. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised, Jordan Davis. Thank you, Jordan. 
Jordan knows that it's Jordan Davis. Man, he ran that 40, and it was like uh, Daniel Jeremiah was like falling off his chair. <laughs> and it was. It was special to see a man that big run slide. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And then there was this other kid, uh, a D-back, uh, who ran a 4.29, I think it was. Um, it was it was great to see that. I didn't get a chance to see the scouting combine as closely as I have in other years. I know. Uh, I usually well, – I didn't watch any of it this year. Yeah. I've been watching so much college basketball. It's like, you know, I'm trying to, you know uh, – Which uh, makes sense. It's what you do yeah, for a living now. Yeah. That's what I'm doing on the side. Yeah, my side hustle. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I'm when does Madness start for you? It's on now. Yeah, it's going on right now. Conference tournaments. Championship week tournaments. Okay. Yeah. Tournaments started, uh, I don't know, a couple days ago. Mm. Uh, that's what I was saying. I, was gonna, I put in some con conference tournament champion bets today. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's see. Thank you, Jordan, for that. Jordan is correcting me saying uh, Davis is more of a 1T. Uh, and the Devontae Wyatt and Travis Jones will be top end three tackles. Uh, Jordan Silveria, do you believe that uh, Bilal Nichols can play that three tech for the Bears you, if if the Bears were to depend on him going forward at that position? So let me know. I'm sorry, Tuta, I interrupted you about the uh, uh, tournament. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's say I put in some uh, tournament championship bets. To win the championship uh uh for the big sky conference montana state i think that's a pretty good bet uh there really isn't that much competition for them they're probably i mean they're far and away probably the best team in that conference montana state and uh two two bets in the eight in the atlantic 10 mm -hmm. uh vcu is a strong team they're uh four 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 hundred fifty odds plus four fifty, so four point five to one, and same with Saint Bonaventure. They're also plus four fifty, and then Villanova to win the Big East tournament. Uh, it's their tournament to lose. Probably they're the best team. Mm -hmm. I mean, Providence has been really good and really lucky this season. So uh, that's uh, another team uh, that's probably their conference. So, and then I, then I uh, they're only like. Uh, Plus one twenty five for Villanova, plus one fifty, which means a twenty dollar bet would win you thirty bucks. You know, hundred mm -hmm. bucks would win you hundred fifty bucks. Uh, and Kentucky, really great team and really deep uh, to win the Southeast Conference, the SEC. Um, that pays uh, let's see, one plus one ninety for that bet. Good odds. You people listening in should be writing this down. This is money. This is and then uh, Princeton to win the Ivy League championship. I know it's like minus one ten or one minus one twenty, but they don't have any competition. So for me, it's just like I throw a hundred bucks, you're giving me ninety back. You know, I'm mean, getting mm -hmm. my hundred back, and they're giving me now because Princeton is far and away the best team in the Ivy League. I mean, Yale is okay, but Princeton is far and away the best team. They they should win it pretty easily. Right now they were minus one twenty to win the ball, which means to win a hundred bucks you need to put down one hundred and twenty dollars your stake. So, and those are the bets I I made today just after watching a little bit of conference uh, champion or tournaments going on right now. But, cool, well, it's a fun so, time of the year. I actually yeah. uh, for March Madness one weekend I, I spent it in Vegas and had the time of my life. You know, um, I'm not a big gambler, but when you're in Vegas. 
spending yeah. the day at the sports book and having beautiful women bring you free drinks while you're laying a bet down on a basketball game or two or three bets. Uh, it's, not, it's hard hard to find anything better to do on a Saturday afternoon. Right. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's a good time. I can't wait to get back to Vegas, one of my favorite cities. There was a time in my life where I went to Vegas like every year at least once. It was all for business, but of course, you know, I'd stay an extra day or two or you got lucky. It, was, it wasn't that busy. You go for a few meetings and you have the night off. I was so popular at so many of the strip joints in Vegas. Holy shit. I'd walk in and women would gravitate towards me and say, oh, you're such a good looking guy. And I, I'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more. Well, I would give them 10 bucks and stuff. <laughs> Anything for a compliment. <laughs> Those are the good days. Um, anything else you got, uh, Mr. Santucci, before uh, we send you off to bed so you can wake up early and work from your home office? Yeah, let's see. Um, some games tomorrow. Looking at uh, what do you got really, tomorrow? Really great games tomorrow, man. You got the the uh, the uh, a a uh, ACC starting tomorrow. Uh, actually, the ACC started today. But uh, uh, more matchups there. Um, love the Wake Forest team this year, man. They're really good. They're in the same as Duke, the ACC. That term out. They're like one, plus one thousand. So you know, wow, ten, ten to one odds. Nice. But so, ten uh, bucks to win, the, to win the tournament. Thought about that, and then of course the pack, yeah. pack ten, uh, pack twelve. Uh, that conference starts tomorrow. And uh, the Big East also starts tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Tournaments, uh, a lot of action. There's like 30-something games tomorrow. I usually, uh, man, I, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and start running numbers through my spreadsheet. Oh, you know, seeing, uh, <laughs> yeah, seeing uh, what what pops out. You know, like today I was like, I uh, ran it through my spreadsheet. I, I was like, boy, this I got a nine-point edge. The over Manhattan versus Ryder. You know, and I told I told Anthony, I was like, that's the best play I got today. Man, he's like, What? That game sucks. You know, <laughs> played the game and it went over by uh eight points. So look at that. It was a winner. Good for you. Hey, uh, Mo Beerman asked, Did you see the ending, the crazy ending to the Wagner versus Bryant game? I didn't I had I had Bryant in that game, but mm -hmm. uh I did not see the ending in that game, but that, that's uh I don't know. I was I think I was doing the show. <laughs> when we, probably the show started during the ending. I think yeah. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. Let me see. Hold on. Let's see if uh, Mo can well, give us an update. On why, uh, Bryant was up by like twenty or thirty, man. No crazy ending. So maybe yeah, they it was uh, seventy to forty-three. So holy moly! <laughs> had Bryant in that one. They covered by twenty-four points. Uh, let's see. Cliff Victoria says he always had good luck hitting on the women who went with us to the script clubs amateurs <laughs> for the win <laughs> uh, it's a good strategy right. man. <laughs> it's a good strategy right <laughs> oh man all right i think it's time to pull the plug i am ready for bed right on, me too after the show i i after i do the show i'm so wired i i i pick a movie and i usually watch a movie or you know, or some TV show that I haven't finished, you know, so I'll do yeah. that another hour or two. And Something then to fall asleep to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. Exactly. You know, I, yeah. I, I love these uh, 
film noirs from the 50s. Uh, the, 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 the plot is so fucking simple, you know? It's a, you know, a private detective or somebody who, uh, falls in love with this femme fatale, a woman who is just no good for him. You, you know, it's, it's a, it's a story by, That's by why you like nightmare alley. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> by the way, I want to see the new Batman movie because they're saying that it's film noir like that. It's got so many of the qualities. Somebody asked us in the chat room uh, a while ago, if anyone had seen the Batman movie, yeah, I, I haven't, haven't seen it. You haven't see, are are no, you going no. to see it? Uh, when it comes out on video at home, I think I, All right. I don't yeah, know this is I, what I want to see in the theater. I want to, uh, I want to see it on an IMAX screen. So I, I hope to. It's possible though. My wife and I finally found someone we could trust to babysit the toddlers. So oh, good. Good. Might have some. Uh, we, uh, my wife wants to learn how to shoot. You know, so we've. There's a great some great gun ranges here in Iowa. So oh, nice. The, the assault rifle and the shotgun and the handguns out you know oh, good i i'm gonna remember yeah. this piece of the video is it happens at three hours and uh 11 <laughs> in case you know this becomes a dateline episode that you've been told <laughs> i can send this to the folks over at nbc <laughs> <laughs> my wife likes to shoot now it, it's fun, man. there's a the iowa department of natural resources has got this great gun range it's mm. like 30 yard 50 yard 100 yards and they have all these little targets and you, mm -hmm. know, you can shoot them down they're like steel, and then you pull the rope, they stand back up, and then like a hundred yards out, there's little cutout oh, animals, cool like is that? coyotes, and uh, mm -hmm. fucking wild boar and deer, you know, way out there, you know, and you can you know, get the rifle. And fucking, <laughs> it's fun, man. That is, uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. GCA says the new Batman movie is okay. It is super long. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, right here on the Barroom Network at 9 p.m., the show hosts, Salim and Carl, are going to review the Batman movie. So uh, join us uh, if you've seen it. And if you haven't seen it, then tune in for the first half hour before they get into the spoilers segment and stop talking about things that you don't want to hear until you see the movie. So that's tomorrow. Earlier in the day at 2 p.m., it'll be Bar Down Hockey with Tucci's old buddies, Vinny and Joey Parisi. Uh, yeah, Frank the Parisi brothers. Yeah, they're great. And Frank is too. Uh, Frank is their cousin uh, who writes for Fansided. He reviews video games and actually sent out a story today about nice. uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the Green Bay Packers roster when you open up your new Madden 23, whether you like it or not. He's going to be there. And uh, uh, he's he's uh, it, it just knows hockey left and right. And those guys know pop culture and other sports. And so yeah. they, their two-hour show is, is not just exclusively hockey. It is a very – very entertaining show. Who about, who's the guy that likes college basketball over there? Um, that would be I think it's Laro Golden. Laro is uh, by the way, Laro Golden is no longer with uh, right. our show Bulls One Hundred and One. Laro Golden has been offered a great opportunity to analyze tape for uh, SIS, and so he is. Uh, they've asked that he. Uh, does not do a podcast that is pro any one team because it's an unbiased website and they don't want uh, him to be accused of uh, being biased towards anyone. So he's uh, left that show, but we're bringing him back on. He has proven that he is a very, very knowledgeable Bears commentator analyst. And so we'll, we're finding a spot for him to join us in our Bears commentary. So Laro Golden is joining our Bears coverage here in the Barroom bar Network. Uh, Neil, Neil Stopchitsky likes uh, college hoops. Yes, he's a big college hoops fan. Mike North. 
soccer fan, Neil Stopchinski, mm. he's been talking to us about maybe doing a, a, a show on soccer, which I would nice. love to have on a bar. Uh, I like wagering on soccer too, but it's like the one thing bad, you have your team, you're winning and stuff, all of a sudden they get a red card and then they're playing mm-hmm. 10 on 11. So mm-hmm. they're just, they're missing <laughs> a guy for the rest of the game and your whole bets, you get nothing you can do. You know, you can't, you can't cash out of your ticket. All you can do is like throw a counter bet on the opposite team. You know, it's right. like, so yeah. And I don't like doing that. Yeah. I, I don't no, like. Uh, I don't like uh, hedging either. I'm terrible at it, but yeah. It, it, I'm like, it, how much do I got to put down to hedge? Jeez, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I'm usually in a panic mode. So like, <laughs> what's, yeah, it's tough. It takes, uh, you know, you got to know. But yeah, so. yeah, that's not. I like. Me. I watched a little soccer today. I like uh, Bayern Munich, probably the, the greatest soccer team in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, right now the number one soccer team. I watched a little bit of that game. They were. Oh. It was like first first twenty minutes. It was like three nothing already. So it was like it was boring. Yeah, they're already killing them. James Harris got three goals. I'm sorry to interrupt that. James Harris has just joined us. He says, I'm late, but y'all being so happy Rogers is back is weird. We don't care that Aaron Rogers is back. Yeah. We're all in consensus here. And ma- the majority of us feel we're glad that Aaron well, Rodgers yeah. is back. We want to kick his ass, James. We want yeah, to. I want to be able to say you don't own us anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Right? I want to. I own you. Not anymore. I want Justin I, Fields to be out there. I own you. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. So, anyway, uh, what else? So, I, I went through the lineup for tomorrow. And then on Thursday, you football lovers, you're all here to talk football. Thursday night, uh, we will do just that, 8 p.m. Central. It is Neil Stopchinski and Danny Shimon, the co-host of Draft on Tap. I stick yeah. around uh, for that show to f- throw a few questions at them. But they are not only going to review – uh, what happened at the uh, scouting combine, but they're going to look at it through the lens of what the Chicago Bears needs are and who could potentially uh, fill the bill. So that's on Thursday. Earlier in the day at 2 p.m., it'll be Crosstown Crosstalk, our baseball show. We have a baseball show, but no baseball to talk about. Don't worry about it. Uh, Vinny Parisi, the host of the show, he always finds something cool to talk about or has a great guest on. So those are, are that's our lineup for the next two days. Are they gonna, when, when's baseball going to start? <laughs> You know what? So, Tooch, let me ask you this before Man. we address this question from PJ. If baseball uh, has a a late start, like July, August, are you going to give any? Uh, are you going to care at all about baseball? Yeah. So I was I was thinking this exact same thing because Anthony and I were talking about it. Uh, we we had uh, Chris Wassel on the other day on our show, mm-hmm. and they're talking about when would the baseball season started he's like possibly july you know i'm like <laughs> at the after show like man that's that's are people gonna i mean it's gonna obviously it would be what an 80 game season maybe you know or right 60 game season exactly i, yeah. I don't know i mean who's gonna care i mean maybe with the shortened season more people get into it because 162 games can be a lot for people you know yeah, what? I, I've I've been complaining about the 162 game season for do about. Do we need 162 games? I... No, hell no. You know what we need is yeah. quality baseball. What we yeah. need are games that are under three hours. What we need are to uh, get rid of the shift. I think they got rid of the shift. By the way, I think it was out, outlawed. We, we, you know, we need we just need to watch good baseball and under three hours. That's the biggest thing. One of the yeah. biggest reasons that they have not effectively. Uh, 
a quicken the pace of baseball is because they make so much money when the uh, batter is out of the batter's box, box and scratching his nuts. They have some uh, advertisement up. Oh, this ball-scratching moment is brought to you by Menards, where <laughs> you save big money. So, you know, the, the whole baseball thing is a mess. It's the, the Rob Manfred, the commissioner, is an asshole, uh, but that it is what it is. PJ asks, do you guys think, thinks, thinks, do you guys think he was a good cop? Oh, uh, prior, prior question. Uh, what yeah, is that have? from, tra- he's talking training day? Yeah, so here he begins here. Alden Tooch, quick question. How would you describe the character of Denzel Washington's character, Alonzo? And then the follow-up questions, uh, question is, do you guys think he was a good cop who was naive and impressionable? I'm curious on your take. Go ahead, uh, Tooch. Man, it's been a long time since I've seen that, but probably since the year or two after it came out. Okay. So I, 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 I really – before I could really give a great answer on this, I need to rewatch it, you know, uh, but I, I remember being struck by the movie as, you know, I, it was powerful. Yeah. Uh, Very powerful. I can yeah. tell you this, that the Alonzo character was definitely an evil person. He was a bad cop. Yeah. He was involved in uh, corruption. And so he was trying to, to hide that. Now it, it, it so may, evil may be too strong of a word. I think towards the end of the movie, he, he started to lose it and became evil. Uh, he was kind of drawn into circumstances because of yeah. uh, some mistakes that he did in his personal life is how I remember it. And so he was uh, uh, a good cop who turned bad is uh, how I would. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, I would say so. It. So I wonder yeah. if uh, if that was acceptable. The first word that came to mind for me was conflicted. But I conflicted don't know if that does it good enough justice, you know, because it was a complex character. Like you said, he mm-hmm. had uh, 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 life situations and decisions that led to him being, you know, more of uh, down the wrong path evil, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then back to the topic of baseball, we've gotten some uh, 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 comments. You know, James Foster says, I'm boycotting baseball. 2020, last time I bothered, saw one Sox game, the Cornfield game, which was a great game. And, James, I'm sort of with you, you know. Like Vinny Parisi on his show, uh, Crosstown, talks about, you know, people complain that the baseball is boring and so forth, but they fail to realize that there's such great strategy. And I agree that there is great strategy. Baseball is a thinking man sport, you know, so in between pitches, you're you're thinking about should the runner on base, steal base, uh, should they shift over a little bit, uh, all yeah. sorts of strategic things. But the thing is, is that you've got five minutes now in between pitches to think about that strategy. You don't need that. 20 seconds is enough. Throw the fucking ball. Get the batter in the box. Let's play ball. <laughs> so that's the problem. Uh, and so I'll tell Vinny Parisi about that, and maybe uh, I'll get him to see my way. But he and his brother, Joey, and, and Tooch saw these guys play when they were kids, right? The Parisi brothers, Tooch? Yeah, they were like a year or two ahead of my son in Little League. Okay. I was coaching my son and our t- the kids his age, Hanover Park Little League, Hanover Park, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Priestley brothers were like a couple years ahead. I think they're a year apart, maybe, of the brothers. Vinny uh, and Joey. I think, I think a year and a half. One, so, one yeah. year, one year and a half yeah. around there, one grade yeah. apart, whatever. But yeah, they were uh, they were characters back then. You know, <laughs> they would uh, they would mix it up with uh, our. our uh, I think they had Dan Morgan on the show. He was uh, 
the, the president of the little league. And he was a lot of fun. Great guy. Uh, and uh, he, he was he's a big hockey guy too. Dan was still playing hockey's when he was into his late thirties before he's still playing hockey, getting the skates on and everything. Wow. Yeah. Joey yeah. Priest still plays hockey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they're still playing hockey. Yeah. yeah. So they probably uh, played with Dan, you know, in, in adult leagues and stuff. Probably. You know? Probably. Yeah. Um, back to uh, PJ here. Uh, he says, uh, no, I lose it. Where did I lose it? Uh, there it is. Uh, no, uh, evil is a good word for the Alonzo character, the Denzel Washington character. When was he good? He asked me. Maybe when I he was a rookie. Yeah, I know, you know, because we don't see that in yeah. the movie, you know, because th that's one of the brilliant things we about hypothesize, the movie. Yeah. Everything yeah. is 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 in one day. one day. And Fuqua does a nice technique where he follows there are these shots of uh the sun going up, sun going down, the yep, moonlight, yep. and so forth. I thought that was a, a nice way to get the point across that everything is happening in one day. But it's uh, you know, and again, um I, I haven't seen the movie. The last time I saw it was about it's 15 been a while for me. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that wasn't there a part of the movie when there was a discussion with the gangsters about, um, you know, it, it, it appeared to me that there was a more innocent time for the Denzel Washington and that he wasn't immediately a corrupt yeah. evil person, but perhaps I'm remembering it wrong. Um, all right. I am tired. I'm stumbling over you my too. words and, uh, and Johnny Santucci who, who somebody said you look like uh Keith Hernandez, yeah, from, from Seinfeld, the uh, former yeah. Mets first baseman, exactly. That's how everybody remembers somebody. Yeah. By the <laughs> way, uh, you do look like like him on a, a, guess, yeah. a bad dose of steroids. That's how you <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I grew the beard because my face got fatter as I got older. Well, you, know? you look good, I'm telling you, you look good. Your, your wife is a very lucky woman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, that's it for our show tonight. Johnny Santucci, you are the best. People can follow John on Twitter uh, at yep. John Santucci. My free play lost tonight, though, Aldo. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. I wanted to give out my best play, but it was too early. That was an earlier game. You know, I got to let people retweet and stuff. So, like, usually it's a it's an evening game, you know, that I give out a free play for. But mm -hmm. not South Dakota State and North Dakota State, they played – Twice before they went over like 170 points both times. Today it was 150. You know, I'm like, I should hit that, you know, and they didn't. It was like 148 points tonight. We missed it by two points. 144. So we missed it by six. No, four. We missed it by four points. It was 148 over under. Ooh. Well, good luck yep. tomorrow with your free play. Uh, and thank yeah. you for sharing those with me. I, um, I've i made a couple bucks. Uh, nice. I, don't, I, I don't always have time to get my bet I in. Know. I do. Neither I, do I, 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 believe it or not. <laughs> See Neither that. do I. I'm, I'm working too. And, I, you know, there's all sorts of other stuff going on. I'm like, God yeah. damn it, that game already started. I can't lie. <laughs> that hurts. But it does feel good when, when the pick doesn't turn out to be good. Oh, I'm glad any better. Right. But the majority of the time, that's not how it works for me. It's like, right. shit, I could have made some money. <laughs> All right, everybody. Again, it's uh, Johnny Santucci at John Santucci VIP. Follow him on Twitter and follow me at Barroom Network so you can get updates on all of the stuff that we're doing. I'm trying to do a better job of updating people as to when shows are on. I'm sending out little graphics and stuff just to make people aware because we do such uh, – and when I say we, I'm not trying to take credit for myself, but so many people who work here at the barroom devote so much time to do the research and, and, and to prepare for shows. 
and so I, I want to give them the opportunity to to have uh, people aware of what they're doing and showcase their shows because they're doing some great work. I'm really proud uh, to be associated with them. So anyway, the, for Dan Aguirre, John Santucci, I'm Aldo Gandia. Good night, everybody.